have to apologize to my audience real quick. Because y'all ain't never heard nothing like this coming from me, you know. And this is my job. Just forgive me, you know. Apart from grace, where they APR finance the cost of hate. I was exposed to the sin sick road that these hearts embrace, by which we all then journey to a darker place. Conceived by sin seed, so we all relate. Cause the grapes of wrath that I ate left an awkward taste. It's like I'm stuck in a flood, but my arc's misplaced. Realizing everything that I was taught was way off its base. And laced with deception, it had me guessing if my posture's straight. Cause I'm carrying this awesome weight. I feel trapped like lot behind Sodom's gate, dog. I used to think God was fake. Cause I never had nothing but exhausted faith. Since my brother's death taught me to watch for snakes. And they blew out his candle just to floss his cake. I've been searching for a meaning to his heartless fate. Cause he was better than that. I was provoked that night to a hopeless life. So I settled in that. Started hanging with an attitude Never was the baddest dude But still got respect where the veterans at And this is long before my pleasure was rap I learned to jack while my best friend was measuring crack But he was with me wherever I'm at How you think I got the name blasted on seven times And I've never been capped I went to church, the reverend was whack Last week he's on the track getting head in his lap Plus he robbed the congregation using heaven to jack So if he's cool I know I'm straight Cause I would never do that He's always talking to me like I'm the devilish cat But I ain't feel it cause on the real that's like the skillet saying the kettle was black So how could I develop a relationship with the one I needed a basis with When all of them was faking it He found me high, drunk, concealing a gun Shout to the night, broken, ready to kneel to the sun Believe me, it was real what he done Nails to his hands and feet, crown of thorns plus the spirit of the lung Three days later from the grave he reappeared to become The only sacrifice worthy so his will could be done It's a blessing so I live just to give because of that man Anglo, Saxon, the black man Rooftop to the flatlands He don't care where you at, man Faith requires action Anything can happen Believe us We never thought we could beat us You should have seen us In need, he reached us Real talk, dog, we need this So please just come meet this man called Jesus Believe us We never thought we could beat us You should have seen us In need, he reached us Real talk, dog, we need so please just come meet and this I speak my angelic whispers to God alone, clutching a scepter. One touch will infect your brace, bang to the collarbone. I reign from the darkest shadows of Earth's region. Trained in these heartless battles to convert demons. Turf leaning, born breached and birds screaming. Wishing my pots ain't squirt semen. But Earth needed them to disperse his first seed for this reason. And too many conceived to this breed is displeasing him. Hit weed and then switch speeds to sip Seagram's gin. It seems we lack the esteem. To reach evil men Stand firm with a lantern Lit till the beacons Then without grace We all reek of sin Since that Eden spin Even the deacons And the preachers Need Jesus For the evil that they think But 
don't speak when they preach to men. You see, we all weak and we all must receive them in. From the ballers on Wall Street to the G's off the reefer in. Single mothers raising young brothers to be peaceful men. Twelve-hour shifts just to feed them and she still finds time to cook clean. Help them read in the evenings, but when they lay asleep, she can't sleep. She just weeps because when tomorrow comes, sorrow runs deeper. Her boss done with hell to jack because she got too much self-respect to sleep with him. Even my neck rolls on death row could believe in him. Y'all two could be saved before they put the needle in believers. Oh, we never thought we could be this. You should have seen us in need. He reached us. Real talk, dog, we need this. Please just come meet this man called Jesus. Believe us. Oh, we never thought we could be this. You should have seen us in need. He reached us. Real talk, dog, we need this. So please just come meet this man called Jesus. Open the door, he'll come in and sup with you, dine with you, fellowship with you. He just wants a relationship. God bless you. Crossfire. 
Consciousness, peace to the flam family out there. Y'all know what it is. What we got going on? Y'all see the title? Debate talk for you. Recap. What do you believe? This was a discussion that took place between Vocab and Ron Devon Prospect, and just reviewing some of the things that they went over, and also listening to some sound clips, so we can see basically what do you believe. You know, I think that night, uh, that was a great, uh, excellent uh, conversation. Uh, let me make sure my sound putting out right. See if I got somebody in, in the audience that can help me out tonight. Six, seven, eight, your mic is open. What's going on? Peace and blessings. Hey, what's up? How's it going? G Consciousness, Jordan, Servant of Christ Ministries. What's going on, Brother Jordan? How you feeling, brother? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Is my mic sounding all right? Is I'm putting out pretty good? Uh, you sound crystal clear. All right, cool. Yeah, man. So um, it's good to have you here, man. Uh, you know, I don't know if you got a chance to check out um, that uh, discussion Vocab had with, with Ron Divine Prospect from Harbinger Ministries. Well, Kingdom Harbinger Ministries. Did you ever get a chance to check it out? Yeah, I got to listen to most of it. Not all of it, but I got to listen to most of it. Thought it was uh, a very uh, productive conversation, at least, you know, and uh, him expressing himself and what he believes. Yeah, definitely, definitely, man. Um, 
what I wanted to do is uh, we want to get a couple callers in. So what we wanted to do is we want to play some things um, concerning, you know, um, the whole discussion and bring bring a little bit of those things out and uh, see what was going on there. And so uh, before we even get into it, you're the newest Shield Squad member. Is there anything that you want to say to the people, you know, um, out there, you know, as far as your page? And I seen you just put out a new video. I haven't got a chance to watch it yet. Do you want to uh, talk a little bit about the video you just put out? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, well, my page is on YouTube, Servant of Christ Ministries, uh, and the email will be the same as Servant of Christ Ministries at Gmail dot com. The video I actually put out was actually uh, amazing in a sense because it is a, I was reading scripture about two days ago, and I was talk and as I was reading, I was talk, reading about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and you know it was talking about him laying in the tomb, and in the tomb he was. He was between the two angels, and I thought that was amazing the way that the uh, the garbs or the clo- the burial clothes were laying between the two angels. It said that one angel was standing at the head, and the other one was sitting at the at the feet. And it reminded me of the Ark of the Covenant and how the presence of the Lord was between the two angels. So I expound on that a little bit in the video. Oh yeah, that's powerful right there. You know what? Because I never really even looked at it like that. And so that's real powerful right there, man, because I know when you start dealing with the tabernacle, definitely, man, you see that the, the two angels is there and you see the mercy mm-hmm. seat. And so we can definitely see that, uh, man, that's powerful right there. Um, I never seen it, never looked at it. So uh, I'm definitely going to get over there and go check that out because I know it's going to be some powerful information. So definitely, brother. Uh, yeah, man. So let's um, see. Can we? Pull this up real quick and see how the sound. I shared the link on. Um, I know we got a lot of people over there um, with faithful now. Uh, so I shared the link and put it out there because it's about forty-eight people over there right now. Oh, cool. Yeah, and I waited to do it a little bit late, you know, later, because I, I didn't want to, you know, interrupt what he had going on. Um, they had a debate over there, and I didn't, you know, I didn't want to interrupt that. So, basically, I said, I'm going to do it a little bit later. So, that's why we're doing it a little bit late tonight. But, uh, man, uh, this conversation, man, let me go over here to debate talk for you. It's, it's, it was hilarious, man, and uh, I think... Um, really brought a lot of things out and I've been knowing, let me say this I've been knowing divine for a little time now you know in the conscious community is how I actually met him through Sonetta and I've never met him personally but you know um when it comes to some of his work that he deal with for his historical content as it relates to uh extra biblical sources you know um he has some good information you know, uh, but when it seems when it comes to the Bible, you know, uh, he doesn't, you know, the Bible is this book to where, you know, you have to pick out of it what's truth and what's not truth. And, and uh, I mean, what's truth and, you know, what's and, and what's, you know, not true. And and so he he um, 
I noticed that every time he look at historical content of what the historical things that are revealing when they archaeologists go and they dig somewhere, he seems to take more of the historical archaeological view than what the biblical view is talking about. And and, and so, you know, he, he weighs the evidence and the evidence more so with the archaeology. So he's on the side of the archaeology or so to speak, or you know, and it's and it's always problems with that because we we found a lot of problems with a lot of um, people, you know, they boast within their empire or within their, the, you know, within if there's some type of um, kingdom, it, there's always some type of boasting. And what I like about the Bible is because in the Bible it tells you, you know, about Israel. And it's basically telling you how, you know, they started off with a favorable beginning, you know, how God set them up. And then eventually they began to start falling away. So mm-hmm. it seems like the Bible is a book to where it's not really, it's showing you the, the good and the bad and the good and the bad times. And it's not just showing you to where Israel was just this perfect people. But when Israel failed, they 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 overcame by Christ Himself or, or or something that the Lord did because of the word of the Lord that was given unto them. So it seems to me when Israel was obedient, that's when they overcame. But when Israel was not obedient, we can kind of see in the book of Judges, uh, as early as in the book of Joshua, you know, um, coming all the way to the kings, and you know, when all the way till you get to Christ, there was always rebellion there even into the end times to when we see all the rebellion is put away. So it's like this, this book is not, or the kingdom of Israel is not showing you just all the good things and the gravy things, but it's showing you also, you know, the bad that's in it. Well, when you start looking at other cultures, you don't really see that. You start seeing to where they always saying how, like when you start looking at um, um, the different stories of Epic of Gilgamesh, or when we even look at uh, who was the other guy from the, uh, the ancient Near East, uh, Darius the Mede, um, Cyrus, and all of them, all of these guys, they always boast basically on their victories and what they did and what they God caused them to do, you know. But when you look at Israel, you know, it, t- it shows you their ups and downs, as well as Egypt. You don't really too much see right. to where it says Egypt lost this battle, you know what I'm saying, or. This and that happened, or this king was smoked and, and 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 killed, or those things are not really, you know, in the stellas. You always see in the stellas to where you see the victory stellas to where on their walls and the walls of Karnak, you're gonna see their victories. Well, you know, God is showing the imperfection in man in the book and showing you who is the author of their salvation. And you know, we're running this race, but the one who gives us the victory or makes us victorious, you know, when we have ran this race is Christ. And so he's the one that's, that's helping us and in him, we're more than conquerors. And so the Bible shows us that. Well, when you start dealing with other places and this is why history is, is it, it is important to play this role is definitely important, but you got the way out and say, what is, you know, fabricated, and what is basically this is this is the reality right here. And so we hold truth that the Bible is a historical book and all extra 
you know, biblical sources that confirm the Bible, but we hold the Bible as being the word of God and let God be true and his word be true and every man be a liar. So you can't, you have to make a choice and decision. The Bible says that 600,000 men came up out of Egypt. Then you, you can't try to say, well, that doesn't sound right. There's no evidence for that. We don't see that. And, and so it could mean this or it could mean that, but because then you go against what the Bible says when it says that the Lord really made it easy for the Hebrew Israelites, the women to have bare children and their wombs was opened up and how he did a miraculous thing within the womb of these, uh, these women. And so God is raising up an army to bring them up out of Egypt. I don't know if you want to add to that brother Jay, but you can add to that anytime I add to anything that I'm saying, anytime you want to. Yeah, yeah, I actually wanted to ask, um, the second you said the word boast, um, and then as I was thinking about the conversation that we're having, um, immediately my one of my favorite scriptures popped into my mind, and that's Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24, and this is what it reads. It says, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. And so immediately, you know, that's my favorite scripture for one reason and one reason only, because the focus is not on everything that the world has to offer or everything that you believe that you attain. What it focuses on, it focuses on understanding and knowing God. And that's one of my top prayers, always at the top of my list, because I want to understand and know what the Lord, uh, what, what the Lord wants to reveal. What is it? And that's why, you know, as I was reading the scripture yesterday in the video I put out the other, uh, actually later on, late tonight, was that was as I was reading the Word of God, He just revealed Himself. It didn't take a whole bunch of people telling me or breaking down scriptures. It was just literally opening my mind, and so that's what our focus needs to be. So many people can get um, so lost in in getting in, you know, so many different forms of wisdom. Oh, you know, I could, I know all the archaeology, or I know this. Now, these things are uh, important pieces of information. I'm not saying historical, you know, information is is useless, but as compared to God, then it would be because God is the one who reveals mysteries, and that's what happened in Daniel. You had all these wise men who were just sitting there and didn't know anything, and it wasn't until the Lord opened their minds. And so, you know, it's it's not any different, you know, because anytime somebody wants to pull away from Scripture or add to it or take away, it's the only way to kind of prove false doctrine, um, uh, dealing with, you know, individuals like the Jehovah's Witnesses or anything like that. They have to twist Scripture or they have to remove the Word of God in order to establish their own doctrine. And anytime somebody removes pieces of the Bible, it already shows me that their doctrine is false. And that's that's kind of one I wanted to add to it, right? And that, and that's that's an excellent point, man. And uh, we definitely got to you know realize that you know, and that's why you know it's it's good to you know listen to this the uh, discussion that these brothers had because you know, like I said, I've been knowing Devon for a minute, and um, you know, it, it's just some strong things that's in this conversation that has to be brought out. Now, one of the things that I looked at, that we're going to get to it, but one of the things I just got to speak on it right now is when he was asked about 
the um, bodily resurrection of Christ. Man, I don't know if you heard that, but he stated that he's neutral on that. And yeah, yeah, I definitely heard that. It made my skin crawl. Right, right. So he kind of lost. He he lost me on that, and and uh, also, you know, also one of the other things he he did was was um he made himself he put himself in this position as, you know, he knows that he is a Hebrew Israelite. You know, not that it makes a difference, but if you're going to strongly, you know, uh, speak the way he was speaking. You know, you're gonna have to uh, provide some type of evidence to prove that you're that, rather this. And, and so we're not going for the whatever some things that was culturally there was there. Or we said there was a migration here because we know that one of the three world religions that we see that has been going forth, so to speak, is the supposed um, Christians that went forth to conquer in the name of the Lord, so to speak, and. You know, did a lot of things that we know about, and as well as the um, the movement of Islam and also uh, Judaism. You know, um, and this is why we see that a lot of these guys moved into from North Africa to from East Africa into the West, just as well. And prior to that time, you know, uh, around you got five uh, six hundred uh, A.D. and then going on to. 1500 we just got this moving around of people and islam springing up and and 600 you know ad around that time 600 to 630 ad and then we have also before then the byzantine empire but for the most part we can see that there's these three parties and they're basically going out to recruit and 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 and, and that's the thing how, how it's been and so when we look at the the uh you know what the brother was speaking on you know, he makes it, you know, like everybody, you know, we know that this is Israel. We know that Israel, because of these cultural practices that they have, goes back to uh, First Temple, the First Temple. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they are Israelites. You know, um, you know that they can be converts. And so that's the problem we run into. So we always say that if you say, if you are saying that you are Israelite and it's, and it's something that you can see in the Bible that ties to historically and then you can kind of see some cultural things, now the best thing for you to do is is now genetically try to tie yourself back to, you know, uh, these different groups that we see throughout the world. Because we have groups that never left the land or never came back to the land that has stayed uh, basically within those, in uh, Babylon, uh, in, in uh, different areas of Elam, and 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 so uh, also and some of the, some of the people that wasn't there at 70, 70 AD they was already in Egypt they was already living in all parts of the world and uh, it, the, the uh, scattered throughout the Assyrian the Babylonian Empire just as well until we get to the Medes and Persians Empire and so we know that they flourished from the Greek Empire just as well we've seen what happened uh, then because we can see in Joel it talks about the dispersion of them being sold into the Greeks so we see a and so to just identify yourself uh, uh, all the way culturally, you know, and uh, not wanting to go all the way and dealing with the other groups and check and see if you share something genetically, genetically, it's kind of weird to me because we know that you should share something genetically with these other groups if you was, if you come from them or if you was among them, because that's just how it works. Forensic science is something that we can use. 
uh, to help help us out a lot, you know, as well as we can look at cultural things. And so anybody can share some cultural things, and um, and and that's just that, you know, and and, and that that can be from conversion. So we just want to really just key in on some of those things, and 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 I, I don't know if you want to really mention, uh, brother um, Jordan on just the whole bodily um resurrection thing you know i don't know if you want to speak on that but you can if you want to oh i definitely do uh i have the scripture up (laughs) uh so and just just to make it very clear jesus christ did rise bodily uh you know it wasn't a spiritual when he rose back from the dead it wasn't a spiritual thing and it's good this is why i love the scriptures and i love the the uh the apostles because they weren't blind followers or blind believers. They sometimes had doubts. And so Jesus Christ had to make it evident to them that it was a bodily resurrection. So in Luke chapter 24, verses uh, verse 36 to 42, it reads, As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. So from this scripture here, they already think they see a ghost. They 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 think he's some kind of spiritual being. So and he said to them, "Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as ye see that I have." And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still were disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. So Jesus makes it abundantly clear that he is physically and bodily resurrected. And even though he said, here, touch my hands and my feet, they were still, you know, wait a minute, this is, this, it can't be. So he's like, all right, give me a piece of fish so I can eat it in front of you so you can basically believe that I have, wrote, that I have risen from the dead bodily. So anyone saying that Jesus Christ did not rise would have to pull this scripture completely out of the Bible. Uh, Jesus makes it abundantly clear that he, it, that he did rise from the dead in bodily form. And he make you know, and he and he goes through all this just to prove it to them. So if you know, the, if somebody wants to take this out of the Bible and say it was just a spiritual ascension, then you know, there's nothing you could basically do. It's like you know, I could make up anything if I just rip Bible verses out. Um, so you know, Jesus Christ made it abundantly clear that it was a bodily resurrection. Definitely, he definitely did. And I think that um, when uh, when what the brother did was. He tried to basically take away from the he tried to take away from Luke and um also somewhat Acts and also um somewhat Peter, a verse in Peter, as well as uh, the epistles of Paul. And so we're gonna get off into this because it's, it's it, it gets crazy and you know, uh, it was a great dialogue. The brother's very very formal. You know, but um, uh, man, if you if you take away the the epistles of Paul, then you know what's concerning the Gentiles is is, is just nothing else for real. It's like, you know, um, I think that Paul really let it be known, you know, what was pertaining to the Gentiles and and this mystery. He always talked about this mystery. You know, and he always said that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and partakers of the promise. And so 
by his epistles, we can kind of see where we as Gentiles come in at and where we fit in at, and, and, and not that we're 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 looking for this uh this this spot so we can boast and no we we it's just really about being in Christ and being entitled to something, you know uh which which is able to save our soul and save us from wrath, and which is the word of God, which is the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation, and to share that and give that to somebody else is an excellent thing. And so we have been given the ministry of reconciliation, and it's the spirit that helps us to uh, gives us instructions and helps us to um, to spread the gospel and spread this word and empower us to do so. And 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 and, and when even when you look at um, you know when you look at um, Jews that 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 they may not believe in the Messiah, you know Jesus. You know, they may not believe in him. They believe in the Messiah, but they believe the Messiah has not came yet, and they're waiting on the Messiah. You know, these guys, they always made it to where they always was going out to proselyte. But when you start dealing with the black Americans, those that self-subscribe or self, you know, uh, proclaim that they're Israelites, they don't, they have a problem with sharing the gospel, it seems like. Uh, you know, uh, it's just weird to me, even though we know that the Jews don't have the gospel, but they're enemies of the gospel, but they still go out to make proselytes. Well, this group that we see among these people, it, there is a problem with that. These guys do not like to, uh, uh, it's, it's like a black nationalist movement. That's what it is. It's nothing else but that, and that's all. And so I don't know if you want to speak on that, but you could definitely speak on that. I think we got one of the other brothers in here, if I'm not mistaken. I think we got the brother Clinton in here. I'm going to open up his mic. But go ahead, brother, if you want to speak on that, and then we're going to open up and get into that video. I mean, uh, audio. Yeah, d definitely. Um, when you when you examine the, the Black Hebrew Israelite movement, it's just that it's a movement, but it's not anything pertaining to the gospel. The entire gospel and the entire Bible is predicated on Jesus Christ coming to save us from our sins. But that's not what's preached among the Hebrew Israelites. What they do is they're only, he's only here to save our people. They isolate and they basically limit God's range on how, he, how, how many people or what people he can save. And the reason why, and, you know, just in a very simple aspect, understanding that death passed to men because of sin, and since everybody from every nationality dies, Therefore, Jesus came to save everyone from death if they put their trust in him. So, you know, again, the Hebrew Israelite movement is not out there to try to save souls. It's just, try, it's just there to build a, a, a cult and, and, and to make it grow. And you see that based on their actions, based on their behavior. Jesus Christ said that you can tell a tree by its fruit. And the fruit that the black Hebrew Israelites are building is contention, is wickedness and evil and it has nothing to do with salvation definitely definitely and that's excellent brother and so uh we got the brother clinton in here i don't know if you want to speak or not but i'm gonna definitely open up the brother's mic um what's going on brother clinton how you feeling brother clinton yeah i don't think he might want to speak at this point or He'll press number one if you want to speak. He's just listening in, basically, probably at work. But, yeah, so let's get off into this um, stuff into this uh, audio, and let me know if you can hear it. 
Uh, I'm going to put it on right okay. now and click on it. On the data, and it will commence several presuppositional logical fallacies. Can you hear that? Yeah, I heard it. Okay, so let me... Approximately known as the first lady for debate talk for you. We appreciate... Terrible difficulty with the sound effects there, but uh, we got to work it. <laughs> right on the great talk for you. My next special guest has been in the show before as well. Uh, and he, he, he is here once again tonight on Debate Talk You Radio. Once again, it's my brother, Ron, Devon Prosper. Welcome to the show. Shalom, shalom, peace, family. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. Um, like uh, Vocab Malone says, this is a What Do You Believe questionnaire uh, segment uh, in which we ask each other questions. We're trying to ascertain what each other believes. Uh, I want to thank the host, Now Showtime, for having me on the show. And um, given that I have, like, 60 seconds or whatever, what I just want to lay out before we start, just so that the audience is clear with the objectives, um, they know what's going on. Uh, my objective is to use a question and design research method to obtain quantitative and qualitative data to base my conclusion off of in regards to vocab, ascertain vocab alone's Christian worldview without drawing strong man arguments, and to see how the flaws in the foundational preference can be resolved by borrowing from my own worldview. I know my brother vocab uh, wants to distinguish my doctrine from one West by asking loaded questions derived from his experience in his new book, which I read. He will be using a questionnaire design research method as well to obtain the same amount of data, and he will commence several presuppositional logical fallacies, which will dictate his line of questioning. But we'll sort through it a little bit, and we'll see what the brother has in store for us so that we both can be edified with our um, prospective audiences. All right. Once again, that's Ron Devine Prospect. We appreciate the brother. Uh, as explained, uh, it's going to be more of an interview style. Uh, they're going to interview each other. Uh, everybody agreed to 15 minutes each. Uh, and of course, we have a portion where we go to the audience. And uh, when we get to the audience, I just want to make it clear, um, and we all agree to it uh, over the phones behind the scenes, that once we get to the audience, once we get to you guys, uh, when it's time to ask questions, just please make sure when you ask your questions, it's pertaining to what's being asked. You know, in relation, you know, pertaining to the topic, of course. You know, if you stray away and talk about something that's totally, you know, away from the topic, both special guests has the right to pass on your call. Uh, you know, basically, basically stay on topic. <laughs> so again, when we get to the call, uh, the question part, uh, when we let the audience call in by dialing at number three one nine five two seven six two three nine, make sure whatever question you ask is pertaining to the topic or whatever is being asked, you know, in relation to the show. All right, so we're going to get it started. Uh, let me just set this timer up real quick. And I see people pressing number one already. If you, have, if you have a question or a comment, you can do that. You can press number one and stand by. Uh, so when we, when we get to that portion of the show, you know, I'm going to go down in order and get to your questions and your comments. So I appreciate the people that stand by. Call in via phone, call in via Skype. Again, that number is 319-527-6239. So let's start the interview process. We're going to open up both brothers' phone lines and... 15 minutes. Go ahead, brothers. All right. It sounds like Divine Prospect does want us to be a debate. Vocab will commit several logical fallacies, dude. But all right, let's do this. I look forward to interviewing. All right. Uh, I want to ask a few questions about divine revelation. Um, do you believe that the creator of the universe has given us revelation on the planet Earth? Has he given divine revelation? Yes. Where do you believe this divine revelation is contained? I would say uh, it's, 
the uh, Elohim of Israel. The majority of it is contained within what we call the Tanakh and uh, also the Brit Hadashah. Within the New Covenant books, generally counted as 27, do you view them all as on an equal canonical status as the Tanakh? No. Which ones are of a lesser status? The Pauline epistles, um, also 2nd and 3rd John, which is doubtful, which was considered doubtful before it became part of the canon later on. 2nd um, Peter, also considered doubtful, which was uh, called the canon later on. The book of Revelation, which is questionable because it's highly subjective. Um, and aside from that, everything else should be gained uh, with conditional exceptions to Luke and Acts. Um, do you believe that Paul speaks with any authority, or when he writes a letter to a church, what does it constitute? What's the nature of the authority or lack thereof? So Paul's authority, uh, as he states in Galatians chapter 2, was given to him to go and preach what's called the quote-unquote gospel of Christ, the, un the uncircumcised, which should be the goyim or the Gentiles or the ethnos, depending upon how you want to label it, whether it's Hebrew or Greek. So his audience is geared toward those individuals where his objective was to give them an opportunity to cleave unto the house of Israel in the last day so they could be grafted in as a wild olive branch, and that individuals from those nations, not those nations as a whole, can be brought in underneath the Hebrew Israelite uh, uh, individuals. So Paul's authority is mostly towards those individuals. The circumcision was to be taught by uh, Kephas, uh, uh, Yaakov, James, Yaakov, okay. John, um, and the apostles. Thank you. Thank you. Do, do any of the New Testament documents contain errors in them? Uh, when you say errors, are you talking about textual variants? Are you talking about misspellings? No, 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 no. I, do, I know I do not mean manuscripts. I mean, if you had the autograph uh, in front of you, uh, of First Corinthians, would it have errors, for example? Do any of the New Testament well, have errors of fact? Yeah. Well, if I had the autographs in front of me, then there would be no errors because I would have something directly from the author himself. We don't have so that. So do you today. believe – yes, I, I, I know this. But, do you, so, but, but see, are you saying that the error – you're saying you don't accept Paul as canonical is because you believe copyist errors have changed what he wrote? or because he simply doesn't have the authority, no matter if he had autograph or not? Uh, his authority would be lessened, and it would not be authoritative to me because I don't consider myself a Gentile. If I was, then maybe that would be a different conversation. Um, but okay. in regards to the follow-up to that question you asked, um, in regards to uh, his manuscripts today having copious errors, I would say that because we don't have the original, we're looking at thousands of manuscripts. So it's very hard for any of the books right. in the Bible. Can I ask you, we have can to, I ask you a question sorry. about that? But, so that's the case with the, the Tanakh as well. So, and it actually, it's, the I Tanakh think. is older. So, so do you believe that the, 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 the parts, for example, with the Tanakh, do you believe that the Tanakh is an errant or that it does have errors of fact in it? Um, I don't believe that any part of the text is inerrant because we don't have the autographs. So when you make an argument from the text, uh, do you do you believe they are all provisional arguments? Uh, to, a, to a certain degree. Um, arguments from text would be based on the amount of textual criticism I have done to various texts. So depending upon how you, many manuscripts... Can I, could I ask you a real quick follow-up on that? The, okay. Jesus had Jesus had access to the Tanakh in his day and quoted from it as if it was God's word. 
you believe he was mistaken? Um, I'm not 100% sure, only because I don't know what manuscripts that he would have been using at that time. If it was the Septuagint, we have various variants of the Septuagint. If it was something, let's say it was the Peshitta, we have variants of the Peshitta as well. It would depend on what he had in front of him at that time. Okay. Thank you. Do you believe that these questions kind of switch from divine revelation to creation? Do you believe that there was a historical Adam who was made in the image of God? According to Better Sheet, yes. Okay. Um, do you believe that this Adam was a special creation from the dust of the ground, or that he emerged from primates before him? Uh, he was not emerged from primates before him. Hominids was already on the scene before he existed. So he was a special creation that the Most High personally got involved with. In a discussion you had on the Beit for You when you were on the hot seat, you said you were a theistic evolutionist. In what way are you a theistic evolutionist? What do you believe uh, God used evolution to create, if not Adam? Well, when I, sure. Well, when it comes to Adam, um, when he created Adam, Adam, according to the uh, literature itself, stated that he was cognitive of the creator. He was able to communicate and talk. He was able to walk. He was a bipedal creature. He was able to walk. Um, Adam was also sociable because he was given a, a wife, or Isha. Uh, he was also able to name the animals, so that means he's uh, right. soulish, that he can relate Should to I the animals. I, I want to make sure I, I rephrase it. I might have asked this because that's going off. What I'm saying is if you're a theistic evolutionist, what are the elements of creation that God used evolution to end up in the state that they are? Because you said you're a theistic evolutionist. So what in creation? And, and, and I think that uh, uh, you, you heard that, Jordan. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you want to uh, talk on something, uh, one of the talking points, but I know that uh, that um, the theistic evolution thing, right, and it's kind of weird because I, I've heard his position on that um, during the time that he spoke on debate talk when he was in the hot seat. And, you know, he actually believes that there's this other type of man, you know, uh, that predates Adam. And and, 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 I, and I understand that some dispensationalists, they take that, that viewpoint, too, because they call it the pre-Adamites. And at one part of time, I actually thought about that, too, just as well. But then I start to realize, you know, what the scriptures was actually saying, that there's, there's no possible way of that. And so... He takes the position that there's this man that has been made until we get to Adam. So he takes the position of a two, uh, two, um, two um, creationist creation stories of uh, two men. One of them was created in Genesis one and twenty six, and then the next one we see right after that one is uh, is dealing with um, the one who was created in uh, Genesis chapter two, and they didn't really get that. But I've heard his position on that before, and it's kind of weird, you know. And uh, I don't know where he gets that from or how he got that, and um, it's just all the way weird. And so the theistic evolution, you know, uh, I know that he's a old earther, I believe, and so he leans more so to uh, the scientific community, so to speak. And I always say so to speak is because there's an argument on how old is the earth. And uh, is the literal days that we see in the Bible, you know, literal days. And so he speaks Hebrew, you know, he, he's self-taught when, when it comes to Hebrew. 
So I think he would have known that most scholars, you know, look at it look at it being literal days. There's no way of getting past it, you know, especially when you start reading uh, the book of Exodus when it talks about six days the Lord God made the, the earth and rested on the seventh day. So I don't know if you want to uh, expound something else that he said, but you, you can if you want to. Yeah, um, actually there's three points. I'll try to be brief so that way I don't take up too much time. Um, okay, so the first thing uh, went actually was interesting is that I was taught the exact same thing. It wasn't called the theistic evolutionist, but we, at, when I was a, a black Hebrew Israelite, well, part of that religion, I should say, um, we believed that Adam and Eve weren't the only ones created. There was somebody before them. There was another race of men that was created before them. Um, but I would like to disprove that using only two scriptures. Um, and 1 Corinthians 15.45, it says, uh, thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. So, and that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 45. So in scripture, it says that the first man was Adam, point blank. And then in Genesis chapter 3, verse 20, we read the scripture where it says the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Now, of course, Eve wasn't the mother of all living insects or animals. She was the mother of all of, of mankind. So those two scriptures immediately debunked that whole thing about somebody existing pre-Adam. So that, to me, just it doesn't make any sense when reading those two scriptures in context. It says that the first man was Adam, and, of course, the mother of all living was Eve. So those two scriptures debunked that. But then he also said that the book of Revelation is subjective. And it's interesting that he uses the word subjective because it's not subjective and um, from God's point of view, it's subjective between maybe people who debate things. Like, for example, you have objective morality and you have subjective morality. Now, subjective morality will be two individuals having a discussion saying, you know, what they believe is right and wrong. And objective moral would be something above them to telling them what is right and wrong despite their cases or arguments that they make. For us, God is the objective moral law giver. So when he says the book of Revelation is subjective, that's only his point of view. That's not this, The book of Revelation means something. He just doesn't know what it means. That's the issue. And so those are the two point, those three points I wanted to make. Right. And that's funny you said that because um, when you start dealing with these guys, you start to notice that they don't like to deal with eschatology a lot. You know, um, especially when you start looking at texts like Zechariah 14 where it talks about, you know, um, when Jesus come back in the second coming, Zechariah 14 mentions that he's coming back and, you know, the saints going to be with him and he comes to save those that are in Israel, you know, at that time, you know, and, and, and so when you look at them, they're, they're, they would have to believe, uh, they would have to, if they read that, they would have to say, well, there has to be Israel in Jerusalem, I mean, some Israelites that are in Jerusalem has a city and has people that's in that place and it's in, in Jerusalem. And so they don't take that path because if they, become subject unto that, then, you know, it it, it it seems to me it boosts them out the box and of them saying that, you know, the Ashkenazi Jews are not Jews or, you know, uh, the Sephardim or other Jews that there are not Jews that's in the very land of Jerusalem, in the city of Jerusalem. And so, you know, they don't take, they don't deal with the eschatology or, the, you know, they don't deal with when it says, when it talks about uh, in Isaiah 11, it talks about other groups. As Israelites, 
that are in other places, you know, and it names off those groups that where he's going to do a second gathering from the dispersion that them being dispersed right now. And we know that uh, partially that gathering has taken place because we see that, you know, Israel is coming back to the land. Those people have the right to return. And so, uh, okay, I, I got you, brother. And so, so when we when we look at that, uh, we see that they don't like to deal with no type of eschatology. So, I mean, he never really brought out the information because I was waiting on it, on how did how uh, why is um, you know uh, Peter something that is uh, subjective or or or. or you know, when he talked about Second Peter, I think, and then he talked about Revelation, then he talks about Luke is conditional. And so, you know, all of these things that he have, these things are basically, you know, they mention things that's in them. And and the things that they mention, you know, I think it's concerning the, uh, the Gentiles or either their way and how they was living. And so he always tried to push these books out. He tries to push these books out. And I've noticed that to where, you know, that's what it seems to me he's doing. Any books like the book of Luke, you know what I'm saying, he, you know, it's a problem with Luke and then, you know, everything. So so then it, it begins to be, well, let's pick the Bible to, to, to pieces and let's just use uh, what we use that, that benefits us or, that, that, you know, that uplifts us as, as, a, as, as they will say, a culture of people, as him believing that he is a black Hebrew Israelite. And I find it odd that he... He he tries to uh, uh, you know give all evidence when it comes to what he believed historically, biblically, but when it comes to his identity as an Israelite, he has yet to prove that yet. Matter of fact, it's like it's hard to even give a, get a conversation out of him to prove it. You know, are you Israelite? I, they had a conversation the other day with uh, uh, Harry Rosenberg, and in that conversation. You know, not one time did he validate that he was an Israelite, and how how can he validate? It was always uh, we find some things culturally that ties back to the first temple. Uh, well, there's always a converse just as well because we know that Israel was spreaded unto the four corners of the earth prior to 70 A.D. You know, uh, they was always spreaded off into what we would have said the four corners of the earth at that time. You know, they was always spreaded out and took with them what they believed, you know, uh, they took part of what they, you know, how they served the God of Israel culturally, and some of those things was just stuck to them, you know, and so the nations that was around them, they were teaching them these things. Here we have, we have the word, this guy that's in Ethiopia, you know, uh, Philip goes to go, goes to go uh, witness to him and leave a crowd to go witness unto him, and he's already had, he already has a Bible reading the book of Isaiah 53. And and Philip comes and gives him understanding by way of the Spirit and make mention of Christ and let him know this is the very person who you're speaking about in Isaiah 53 is Christ. And so when we look at it, this guy, he finds some way to use all different types of evidence that he feels to substantiate his claims that, uh, you know, uh, you know, what he believes in in the Bible and how he, you know, uh, this and that. But when it comes to, well, let's prove that you are a Israelite by way of scientific science, you know, uh, culturally, 
biblically can we can we see some of those things? And saying to me, the last part that he's missing is let's see if you genetically tie back to this place. Well, let me tell y'all a story what took place, and this is a true story. I'm not lying. Let me tell you what took place. Um, we was in this group together. I believe it's it was the the Christian group, you know, that uh, vocab had started. I believe it was that group, or it might have been the Titans, uh, another group. Well, anyways, in that group. The brother said that he. I asked him about DNA. The brother said that he's he he might have um, some. Uh, he he's working on a triangular study, you know, between certain groups that can tie him back genetically to, you know, um, so to speak. Uh, 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 I don't know of uh, 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 being an Israelite or something like that, and so. He erased that post because I tr- what I tried to do was I tried to go back and try to screenshot it because I'm like, I've been waiting on this. And that was like about, a, I want to say a year ago. I've been waiting on you to do that because you use Deuteronomy 28 and then you use certain West African tribes like the Igbos and other tribes to try to say that, you, try to say that you're an Israelite. But I'm sorry to say, you know, when they did the, the testing on uh, the Igbos, the Igbos genetically tied back to other groups that are saying that they're Israelites. Because when they go out and they look at these groups, they look at, you know, um, what, what um, they look at things like, can they biblically look at the historical content in the Bible and see, did Israel go to these areas? The second thing they look at is, is there something culturally that can tie back into Israel? You know, because first of all, they want to confirm it through the Bible first. Then they want to confirm it through, is there some uh, 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 pieces of uh, uh, that we can look at these people and see if they culturally tie back to uh, the land of Israel and their laws and these other groups that we see according to what we see in the Torah. Then the third thing is they always check with the genetics because, you know, if you were among these people, you came from these people, you should genetically have some type of mutation that can trace back to these people, some type of biological clock or molecular clock that's in you, they can look at the genome sequences uh, and, and look and see that these frequencies, uh, something took place at this time, and therefore these people have a, a genetic, um, uh, a genetic, they share some genetic information. And so when you look at forensic science, there's, there's no way that you can say, well, this is not a science that does not work. I wouldn't say that it, it just absolutely versus, oh, we just absolutely say it's correct. But for the most part, it, it has proven to, to help out, to give us some type of help to know that we share some type of relationship with different people from parts of the world by way of the biological clock that's in you. That, that we can see that from point A to point B, we can see that uh, between this side, this person picked up or developed this mutation on them, and and, and, and we can look at some of those, uh, the amount of change, you know, that we can see, and then also calculate, you know, by uh, what we see the rate of, of, of change that we see today of those mutations, calculate those things, and really get a time frame on, on, on when this uh, took place or when this uh, mutation took happen. And, and, and I don't agree with the long-range times because I believe that, you know, we can't look at the, the uh, mutation rate today and, and, and deal and, and, and uniform those rates that what we see today to act like that in the past it was the same type of rate of change. 
and that's just not the, the uh, that's just not uh, true. You know, that's not absolutely true. We have to assume that what we see the amount of change also the rate of change within a certain time frame of what we see today uh, was basically consistent back in the past, and that's just not the case. We don't know that. So, you know, I think it is very important that we can look at other groups that's around the world and see that they do share something uh, uh, genetically, historically, and biblically, and culturally. So we can see these things. And so when they look at the Igbos, they looked at there were some cultural things there, but for the most part, genetically, it just wasn't there. That we can look at the Buba tribe and different other tribes around the world, and we can see that there is something genetically there because they share, you know, J, the J marker, you know, which is a marker that originated out of the Middle East as well as up in uh, Turkey in that area. And we know that Jacob himself came from that area because he came from Syria, so he would have picked up some type of mutations, you know, uh, up in that area with those people just as well, so they would have shared something genetically with each other. So I just wanted to bring that out that, you know, he has to uh, uh, to calibrate. How, how, what does he have to calibrate, you know, his claim that he's a, 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 a Hebrew Israelite? Did you want to add on something like uh, Brother Jack? I mean, uh, bro, yeah, I caught, I mean, uh, Jordan, I didn't want to call it. Go ahead. <laughs> There's so many J's. That's cool. Um, just real quick, for the Hebrew Israelites, they have nothing that they're, they're holding on to as far as genetics or scientific, and they, they can't prove that they're Israelites. It's impossible for them to do. And so what they do is they cling on to a culture, and I think that's the problem. They hold a culture, and then they try to track it back and by doing some pseudoscience, and then it doesn't work. And, I'm, and when I say pseudoscience, I'm talking about like social science, just, you know, culturally. And so when they're doing that, they, they can't prove that they're the true Hebrew Israelites. They're going literally, unfortunately, by skin color. Oh, I'm dark, and I happen, I happen not to be from the immediate family. Uh, my, my grandfather is not African or doesn't come from Africa. Does, you know. So it's, it's, it's interesting that they'll say, okay, yes, we are the true people, but they can't prove that. And that's, that's, that's bad um, because when you look at Acts 17.26, it clearly states – that uh, and hath made of one blood all nations of men. So all of us come from Adam and Eve, but they try to make that separation, but they have to erase certain scriptures or pull things out of context in order to make it fit their theology that they're reading into the scripture versus getting out of the scripture what the scripture is saying. And one thing I, always, I would like to just make very evident to the audience is make sure that when you're reading the scriptures, you're trying to understand what the scriptures are saying and not trying to put your beliefs into the scriptures in order to get it to say what you want it to say. And that's where the Hebrew Israelites jump way off course. They, they have a theology already in their mind, something they were taught by their teachers or, or they were deceived by, and then they go try to find it in the scriptures. And that's where they end up going, they piecemealing or copy and paste the scriptures and, and then create this theology that has nothing to do with Christ in the first place. Right, right, definitely, man. And so, uh, uh, we got uh, the brother so real here, but what we're gonna do is because because we came to the top hour, we're gonna do is uh, we're gonna take a quick break here, and then once we come back from the break, we're gonna open up so real's mic, which is another uh, Shield Squad member. So until then, um, let's take this five minute intermission break or a song break. You know my heart was broke. 
when I heard about the 21 Coptic Christians. While at the same time, I was encouraged. I pray we can learn from our persecuted brothers and sisters across the globe. Lord, give us courage. Can't you see the persecution that's been happening around us? Around us. Jesus told us that it would happen, don't be surprised, huh? With tears in our eyes, even though they surround us. Around us. The kingdom of heaven is our God, he will crown us. Somalia and Libya might have prison and bomb us. Bomb us. We've been the victim of terrorism for telling Jesus is alive. To the 21 cops, the Christians kneeling down on their cold beach. Cold beach. Soon as they blooded the sea, they were then present with God. If we suffer with them, we gon' rain. To be absent from the body means I'm present with the king. Yeah. To the persecuted church around the globe, remember, remember, the gate to hell won't prevail. Can't stop from no church. He gon' he gon' build this church. He gon' build this church. The gates of hell won't prevail, no. Build this church. You gon' build this church. You gon' build this church. What he said, what he said, what he said. The gates of hell won't prevail, no. The global reality of persecution, I break it, never breaks us. That it would never sink our faith and we would lay down our lives Places like North Korea, Nigeria, Syria, where they make us The objects of aggression putting pressure on all sides Criminal mobs, religious fanatics try to intimidate us Even government regulations banning and outlaw cries With societal pressure, family and friends would forsake us you can ask them Pakistani and any just and Christians, they tyrannize. If we suffer with them, we gon' rain. We gon' rain. To be absent from the body means I'm present with the king. Present with the king. To the persecuted church around the world, remember. The gates of hell won't prevail, can't stop from no church. He gon' build this church, he gon' build this church. The gates of hell won't prevail, no. Build this church. You gon' build this church. You gon' build this church. Say what he say, what he say. The gates of hell won't prevail, no. No matter how we are suffering, no matter how we are persecuted, no matter how we are marginalized. Our identity is not in whatever is happening to us right now. Our identity is seated at the right hand of God, and He is feeling just fine.
promised us in the short term the cross on our backs. And he's promised us in the long term a crown of life. A crown of life. Shield Squad Radio in the building. I am your host, G Consciousness, here with the brother Jordan and also the brother So Real just stepped in. Let me open up their mics. And uh, the call in number is 917-889-2233. 917-889-2233. Call in to speak with the host or ask a question or either comment. All right, so we definitely back in it. What's going on, brother? So real. Peace and blessings to you, brother. How you feeling today? Hey, peace and blessings, man. It's good. Uh, I'm gonna be just kind of only listening in tonight because uh, I noticed it as I was listening. Uh, I was drifting in and out of sleep, so uh, you know I definitely don't want to <laughs> be put on the spot. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, I, I kind of missed my turn there. So uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely gonna be. Um, continue to listen in but um brother jordan is is just really uh just laying out some some real uh differences so um i'm just taking a lot of notes cool definitely definitely brother so yeah so um we definitely gonna get back into some more of this uh so i guess i I, i'm gonna leave your mic open but if you want to you might want to mute your mic because you know you get the snoring and stuff and we sleep with your feet curled Yeah. yeah, boy, be sleep with his feet curled and tucked in the air. But anyways, uh, <laughs> let's get back into it. Um, get back into it. Get back into this. Uh, we got a lot to cover. We got a lot to cover. We got about forty nine minutes on there, so we're gonna try to get through some of this. Uh, man, I suggest y'all go over and listen to it, you know, just as well. But I think that, you know, we're gonna be back on tomorrow again. So I know we're going to be back on tomorrow again, so definitely because I'm off tomorrow, and I'm definitely going to, you know, um, come back to this again and deal some more with this. So if we don't get it all out today, we definitely going to uh, get to get into, get into it some more tomorrow. So let me play some more of this real quick. Let me play some more of this. Not Adam, you said, but what in creation do you believe God used the process of evolution for then? Okay, so now you switch it over to not Adam. Initially, it was Adam, and that's why I'm going on. No, no, the, no, the first question was about Adam, and after I understood, so after you, I understood that you said not Adam, I'm asking about the rest of creation in relationship right, so, to evolution. Yes, so in regards to theistic evolution, there are certain processes that the Most High put in place so that creation can take care of itself. Um, and these processes as well was changed when there was corruption brought into the world because of the fall of Adam, quote-unquote. Um, so a lot of things that are occurring today that we see things such as genetic drift, uh, such things such as uh, what we would call um, microevolution, not necessarily macroevolution, the adaptation of certain animals um, that we see today are all forms of this theistic evolution. So this is okay, the process. Are you, are you a theistic 
are you a theistic evolutionist or an old earth creationist? Because you've historically said both, but those are not the same positions. For example, you said you adopt the Hugh Ross and Reasons to Believe creation model, but they, they debate on a regular basis, BioLogos, who is a theistic evolutionist organization. So which one are you? Are you an old earth creationist or a theistic evolutionist? Those are two okay, different so things. Yes, I'm, I'm completely aware of that. So in regards to me saying that my stance leans more to theistic evolution, I made a reference to Hugh Roth's video where Hugh Roth was going into the in regards to the cosmogony story and how certain processes were put in place by the Most High for things to come into its mature form. So in the day period that we say, which we would say Yom, which consists of a day on the first day, we're looking at that as an age period. So it wasn't everything that happened within a quote-unquote literal 24-hour period. So it's an age period. And in that age, the process that the Most High put in place came to a culmination when that age ceased and ended. So we're looking at the creation week. That is what I mean in regards to theistic evolution. Okay. So sometimes some of these questions, I was hoping you could do a direct answer. So if I say, are you an old earth creationist or a theistic evolutionist, it's not exactly clear what you're saying where, but I, I want to move on to the next section because we only have about five minutes or so left. Um, your name, Divine Prospect, what is the theological significance of it? The theological significance of Divine Prospect is the word divine alludes to anything that is ethereal, supernatural, um, and prospect. Pros in Greek means the motion forward, spect in Greek also is a prefix to mean sight or vision. So the objective is that the Most High has given me spiritual foresight in regards to things and matters that occur as it pertains to the children of Israel here on the earth. Is that why you believe that some of the positions you've arrived to, no one else before you has arrived at because you have this? Well, I can never say that. Um, I'm not saying that I am the creator of all things that I teach and say. Uh, that would be very disingenuous for me to say something like that. So you would have I, to not, I wasn't the, saying that. No. I asked a, specific, a more precise question. I said, some of the things you've arrived at, no one else before you has arrived at, is it due to divine prospect? I didn't ask about all things. I know you understand your it, it depends on what It depends on what you're talking about. I can't say a blanket statement. Okay. So it depends on okay. what specifically you're asking me, and then I can tell you yes or no to that. I teach on okay. a lot of things, so it depends on what you're asking. Do you believe that it is possible for you to one become, uh, if you would, I guess, put it in Hebrew, L, as in a divine power? Do you believe that one day that is possible for you personally to do that? To become a divine power while alive or in death? After, after you cease this physical existence, so in the afterlife, is it possible for you to do that? You specifically. I'm not talking about anyone else or general saying you, Ron Shields, is it possible for you to become a power one day yourself? Uh, yes, because that word that word power that you're using is very broad. So we'd have to actually okay. hone in exactly what you're referring to. But yes, well, I, the, I believe the that. Reason I'm asking, the reason I'm asking is because I, I, I'm understanding some of your theology from prior things. That's why I'm asking that specific question. So I, I have a, a general sure. understanding of how you, how you would be using that word. Um, currently, no how many gods, and I know you don't like that word, so we can switch to powers if you like, but how many powers do you believe exist? in the metaphysical or spiritual realm? How many, if you could put a number on it, how many exist? I, I couldn't put a number on it. But what I will say to you, because I know where you're getting at, is that there is a council in the heavenly realm. 
And there is well, a- can I ask, Ron, Ron, please let me ask the questions though, because I, I know what you're saying. I appreciate you, but I don't want to <laughs> be preempted. I want to ask- Hold on, I got to pause right there. I'm, I'm, and while I'm pausing it is because- Because <laughs> you know Brother Jordan's vocab ain't playing no games. He like, hey man, cut the chit chat. Let's get to the script scrap. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I said, rah, rah, rah. <laughs> right, so let me ask the out. questions, right? Right, right. <laughs> I don't know, man, if you want to respond to some of that, man, but did you want to say something? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was uh, taking some quick notes while he was speaking. Um, what's interesting is that one, what I find with the Black Hebrew Israelites or anybody, if you push them into a corner to give you a straight answer and they can't give you one, that means they don't have one. Um, for example, when he said, you know, what did the Lord create using evolution? Like, you know, just tell me about what is it that he did with evolution? And he kind of went all the way around and he went to microevolution. Knowing that the question is talking about evolution as a process of creating mankind, he knows that. He's a smart guy. He sounds highly intelligent. But he's, the, he's, he's dodging the question. Um, another thing, it almost sounds to me like he's a deist, a D-E-I-S-T. Uh, or you know he doesn't he almost believes like God set the planet in motion and just kind of left it alone and he's not a personal God and and it makes he makes him almost an impersonal God by saying well you know he kind of set these things to kind of take care of themselves if you pay attention to what he's saying um, but in Colossians chapter one verse seventeen it says and he is before all things and in him all things hold together he didn't set the clock and just throw it in motion. He is holding and sustaining everything in its proper order just because we see it play out. And this is one thing that kind of always gets under my skin. Even an atheist might say, well, you know, uh, no, you know, we know what, created, what, what creates a rainbow and it's not God. I'm like, no, you know how it works, but you don't know where it originated from. But they always use the term, uh, you know, just because they can explain how something works, they believe that explains God away. And that's not the same thing. When once we establish well, we establish that God is the one that's holding all things together, just because you can explain kind of how he does it scientifically doesn't explain him away. In fact, it actually points to an intelligent mind. And so he he's he believing in God, but he believes in God almost like a deist would believe in God. And he uses evolution, but he doesn't want to he doesn't want to it's almost like he's using it as a, as a vague term, like evolution, but he doesn't want to solidify or make it a concrete definition because he knows if he does that, he's going to back himself up into a corner where he can't, you know, play both sides. And so that's that's what I wanted to actually point out about him. Right, right, definitely, definitely. Yeah, so there's a lot of slickery and trickery to that. And uh, really, if you, yeah. if, you, if you really just start, like, getting, like, what I want to do is I want to gather, like, a whole – like the sound bites of this brother, man, is just, you know, really grab some of his stuff because he's real tricky. And I seen he had a debate with Jabari, and Jabari was pull, pulling up a lot of things that he was saying, and he didn't know Jabari was listening to it. And so Jabari really had his number. And so the brother, uh, Vocab, did his homework too just as well. And so that's what made Divine afterwards go and do an after show because he know that he didn't study on on vocab like he should have, and we seen that 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 vocab 
was asking him questions that kind of made him really feel uncomfortable a little bit. And so when you really just go and just look at what really happened, then you can kind of see that Vocab did his homework. He had specific quotes, what he was saying. And and when I talked to Vocab uh, the next day, I think he said that he had at least probably 20 plus more questions to really ask him. He had so many questions, but the time was limited. But when it came to the questioning, I was just surprised how a lot of the um, self-proclaimed Israelites that called in, they did not uh, address the issue with, with Paul. They mainly acted like they was with that position. They didn't address the issue with what he said about Paul, what he said about Peter confirming Paul, because it, it's odd that you have a problem with that text, that one in particular, and because it's confirming the very epistles of Paul. And then, you know, we already knew what the position did uh the black Hebrew Israelites took on Luke prior to, you know, certain camps uh, before they came to realize that Luke, you know, when they realized he was a Gentile and he wrote, you know, Luke and probably Acts as well, too. I think he wrote Acts. And so when they realized that those books was written by him, they really wanted to wanted to denounce those books. So it seemed like he he has a, as I, as y'all know my topic, I see the one West in you. <laughs> Seems like he has some, some one <laughs> on the slide. But yeah, let's continue playing a little bit more of this and uh, see what's really going on. Uh, let's see if we get, matter of fact, we might have some calls. I ain't looked in yet. So um, uh, definitely, the, the call in number is 917-889-2233. 917-889-2233. You're listening to, to Shield Squad Radio over here with Brother Jordan as well as myself, G-Consciousness, Surreal over there, sleep in bed. And then, you know, uh, let's really go in and, and, and really see, uh, look at, uh, let's really go in and click on some more of these things. we got 37 minutes left to stream. So let's go in and let's see what's going on over here. I'm not saying it in a negative way. But I have a certain set of questions I want to try to get to. I appreciate your cooperation, please. Um, I understand you're saying you don't know a number. I respect that. Um, do you believe that any of them are, are uh, eternally existent? Uh, no, all of them had a beginning except for the creator. So I know you won't use this term, I don't think, but Yahweh is self-existent, you believe, correct? Yes, according to its proper name in Hebrew, yes, he is. Did he create all the other powers? Yes, he did. Do you believe that we can know their names? Yes. How do you learn their names? Uh, you'd have to read the text as well as comparative other cultural uh, texts that we have access to. So do you believe that Molech has an actual metaphysical ontology, that he actually is an ontological being in some way, Molech? Yes. Okay. Do you believe it is appropriate for any culture, I'm not talking about Israelites, is it appropriate for certain cultures to pay him homage and worship him? Is that appropriate? Yes. Yes. Okay. Do you, do you believe that um, if Molech prescribes child sacrifice as part of... Now, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know if I listened to that correctly. Am, am I tripping? But did he say that it was appropriate... For them to 
um, divine into other deities besides Yahweh? Is that what he said? From what from what I understood, he was saying that there are physical manifestations of these other gods, like Molech and things like that. I think that's what he was saying. Right. So 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 the when when after that, I think he said that when Vocab asked him, is it appropriate for them to matter of fact, let's just go back and look at it and, and, and listen to it one more time. Let's let's really see what what he said here, because kind of weird. Them are are. Uh, eternally existent? Uh, no, all of them had a beginning except for the creator. So I know you won't use the term, I don't think, but Yahweh is self-existent, you believe, correct? Yes, according to his proper name in Hebrew, yes, he is. Did he create all the other powers? Yes, he did. Do you believe that we can know their names? Yes. How do you learn their names? Uh, you'd have to read the text as well as comparative other cultural uh, texts that we have access to. So do you believe that Molech has an actual metaphysical ontology, that he actually is an ontological being in some way, Molech? Yes. Okay. you believe it is appropriate for any culture, I'm not talking about Israelites, is it appropriate for certain cultures to pay him homage and worship him? Is that appropriate? Yes. Yes. Okay. Do you do you believe that um, if Molech prescribes child sacrifice as part of the ritual worship, since it is appropriate for other cultures to worship him, that child sacrifice should be part of the worship? Um, according to a certain period of time in which it was allowed, yes. So there was a time in which, for certain ethnicities or certain nations or people groups within within the groups of people called the Canaanites, some of them it was appropriate for them to, as part of the worship during that time, offer children to Molech, correct? Uh, it would be appropriate as long as the Mosai did not give them any instructions to do otherwise. Okay. Um, now, what do you think about that? Okay. Basically, I want, I want people to listen. Anybody following this man who calls himself a follower of God or the Bible, Anybody who says that this man is correct, listen to what he said. Basically, he said he believes it is appropriate to worship false gods and to obey them. That's what he said. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. He said, yes, it's okay to worship false gods and it's okay to do what they say. That's Satan. I mean, I'm just being blunt and honest, but that's exactly what he said. He said it very pretty. He said it very nice. It sounds beautiful. But basically all he said, it, yes, you know, basically it is okay to do it as long as, you know, it is. No, listen, you just said it was okay to worship a false god, which you believe can manifest itself physically, and then to listen to them. The only way that these false gods are going to manifest themselves physically is if there's demons actually doing it and revealing themselves to the people. And so that's the only thing. So basically it's okay to worship demons, and it's okay to do what they say. And it's, so actually, he even stated it was appropriate for them to – that's why I like the way Vocab uh, listed, made the question, because basically he's saying it's okay to sacrifice children if it was appropriate. And he uses the word appropriate like, you know, it's like, – like that makes it nicer. And, and you know, that's, that's why it's so important 
for us as believers to know why we believe what we believe and how we know the scriptures and who we know we worship. Because if you don't, you're going to be open to this kind of madness. He sounds intelligent and he sounds like he's very well studied, and he may be, but his intellect is blocking him from listening to the Lord, simply, simply put. Right. And you know what's crazy about that is because, it's, 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 you know, uh, we can clearly see that this guy always talk about the curses. They jump to Deuteronomy 28. And it seems to me they don't realize the reason why the curses was put on the other nations is because they was working iniquity, doing stuff that was against what the Lord had told them to do. And so this is outside of Israel. So when Israel was was brought, he was bringing up from out of the very nations that was doing those things and for them to be a holy people. And so when we look at it, the very judgments that he put on Israel is judgments that was already or curses that were people for doing these deeds. So when you look at the curses, it's telling you, or when you look at what he was telling, he said, you should not do as these other nations. And so if they're not if they're not to do as these other nations, when did the Lord say that it was appropriate for them to do so? It was never appropriate for them to do so. He never told them to do those things. They did those things, and God began to bring judgment on those people. And to realize that, because he said it was appropriate for a certain uh, point of time. But there are certain scriptures that say that God was saying that you would have thought that I was with you because I, I, I God was uh, watching them do it. He said he wasn't with them. He was against them the whole time while they was doing such, such wicked deeds. He was just showing them basically how wicked, I mean, how, trying to see how wicked they were going to continue in it. And then also his grace was long-suffering. But then, as we can see, God has always from the beginning knew that it wasn't appropriate because it, it, it just wasn't appropriate. Look what it says here. Let's look what it says here. It says, um, this is Genesis 15 and 16. He says, but in the fourth generation, they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. So in other words, God was saying that he's going to bring Israel up out of Kemet, up out of Egypt, and they're going to judge the Amorites. But he says he's not. He's telling, he told Abraham, he says, he's not going to bring them there, you know, yet. He says, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. In other words, God seems to wait till something comes to a full head before he goes in and he goes all the way in. It seems to where his grace and his mercy and his long suffering, you know, uh, uh, begins to, it, 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 it's there. It's evident that it's there. And like he did with Nineveh, you know, he, it's like he goes uh, through all ways to, to, for these people to repent. Until finally he can it's just, he just disgusted by it. It has come to a fullness, and he like I'm gonna deal with this. Just like what he did when he says for the when he says for he says uh um into the fullness of the Gentiles come in, you know. And so what is he talking about? He's not talking about oh uh, not until all Gentiles when when all Gentiles be saved he's gonna deliver Israel. No, that's not what that's talking about. It's talking about until the fullness of the time of the Gentiles come in. That, that that's when he's going to come back. Christ is going to come back to establish the ninth kingdom, you know, uh, uh, ninth world kingdom. Because the eighth world kingdom, we read about that in Revelation 17, which is going to be ran by the Antichrist. The ninth one is going to be ran by Christ, who will take over that kingdom and establish an everlasting kingdom. 
So he, it, when the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled, when their time has come, the the second coming is, is, is going to be right there at the very door. So when we look at, let's look at some of the things that we see that Israel was told not to do. It was in the scriptures, you know, it was in the scriptures that's clear that it was never appropriate. God never wanted them to be doing that stuff from the get-go. God's long-suffering and mercy was there, but as he did with Sodom and Gomorrah, when he can't take it no more, he coming down because he heard of the wickedness that was going on and, and, and it got to be dealt with. So let's look at, you know, what God was telling them not to do. You know, some of the things that they was doing was incest. It says, none of you should approach to any that is near of kin to him to uncover their necklace, neck and his eye on the Lord. We know that when one part of a time it, uh, incest was something that was permitted. But uh, after the flood, certain things started to take place and started to happen genetically. It just couldn't happen anymore. You know, but at one part of time, it was permitted. And, and that's weird because they even have something to go against that and talk about that, uh, you know, that there was other people besides Israel, you know, but scientifically we know already that at one part of time and also his, uh, biblically, we know that at one part of time incest was something that was permitted. It was, uh, you know, but eventually something started taking place for dealing with, uh, you know, uh, genetic mutations and those who were closely you know, related to each other, they would never shake those uh, traits. Those traits will always be there, be there on those individuals, and they will all produce, produce those because they both had the trait that produced basically sickle cell or other type of things just as well. They was close related. So some of the things we look at, too, was, you know, we see was adultery, uh, idolatry, you know what I'm saying, profanity, uh, beastality, ality, beastality uh, witchcraft. Orders, dishonor, dishonor to parents, murder, stealing, you know, all of these things. Uh, and then he also talked about them giving their children over uh, to burning fire. He never, you know, what you call uh, those things like that. And and one may say, one may say, one may say, uh, well, well, you know, uh, God, he, he he sent Israel in to desecrate, you know, children and. Uh, different things, but there's also, you know, there's also, uh, there's reason behind those things just as well, too, you got to look at, and why he sent them to do certain things. You know, what we're finding out historically, too, you know, by dealing with extra biblical sources is a lot of those nations who they was coming up against had plagues and diseases. And so the very nations that they was in the vicinity with, he told them to drive them out, or either, if they can't drive them out, either kill them, kill them off. And, and and you couldn't make any uh, marriages or different things with them um, and stuff like that. And But you was able to, you know, when it came to taking of the women of other nations that was far off, you was able to take over the women, but the people that was in those vicinities close up of those seven nations, seven to eight nations that he told them that they could not go into, you know, that they had to kill everything that was moving. What we, what we find out, what we're finding out is like uh, through uh, Jericho and when Kathleen Kenyon, when she excavated Jericho, they found out that there was a lot of plagues within those places. And, uh, you know, a lot of those plagues that we've seen, a lot of people that had leprosy and different things. And, and so they was told to burn everything, even the gold, even all of those types of things, because we know leprosy, you know, is very contagious and gets on a lot of those things as well as in your house just as well, too. So, you know, historically and biblically, we can kind of see why he was telling them certain things. But then when you go out and you look to the nation that was afar off, uh, 
you know, he told them to save, you know, uh, if you, you know, save some of those people as tributaries if they if they did if they wanted to submit, or you can uh, basically, you know, uh, take even some of the women to uh, also increase just as well, and also to make different things uh, as tributaries within your land, and so, you know, we can see that in the scriptures. But when you start looking at, you know, why God sent them up against the very people that's in these lands, so far as the Amorites and the Canaanites, is because this is the place that he was going to place his name at. And plus, these people was doing wicked things, wicked, very wicked things. So you got to look at that stuff and say, why God, it, it never was something that was appropriate to God. It was, I mean, it, that's just retarded to even say that this was appropriate if God is holy and God expects us to be holy. So it wasn't appropriate for a certain time frame. No, it was always inappropriate unto God. Inappropriate unto God, however you want to say it. I don't know if you want to add to that, but Brother uh, brother uh, Jordan, you can do so. Uh, I just had a question because um, I don't know if you know. Uh, did does do any of the uh, Black Hebrew Israelites actually support this guy? Um, actually, they do. It's, you know, a, a lot of a lot of people say that you know uh, they don't support him when it comes to you know what he views as the biblical what he views as the uh, you know the biblical text. How he views the biblical text, they they don't support him. I would say that because I've watched people argue with him about them taking, uh, trying to take people outside of the Bible, you know, to to a point to where he's he's compromising. But for the most part, a lot of people are starting to starting to, you know, be persuaded by what he's teaching, it's, and, and 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 more so because we're seeing that because they're starting to they started to believe the Bible, you know. Um, because of certain uh, translations and different things and very variances that we see, um, and, and we can kind of see that, you know, they're starting to follow follow his type of teaching. Plus, he's dealing with a black, more so of a black nationalism type of teaching. And you know what's going on in the street today? People, that's what they want to hear. They want to hear that. But I don't know if you want to add to that, but you can. Yeah, there's a scripture I definitely want to read, uh, and then, you know, you can just go ahead and move on. Um, Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So basically listening to this scripture is, number one, that's, that's the immediate thing that comes to my mind when I'm listening to this guy. It's, it's a vain philosophy. He has his own worldview and his own way of thinking, and he seems to be deceiving people into believing that what he's saying is actual truth. And what's interesting is that it, he, it says, according to elemental spirits of the world, and, uh, you know, just spiritual powers of this world, empty, evil deception. If you have an individual like this man right here saying that it is appropriate to worship false gods and to listen to them, and then in the same breath say he holds to the Old Testament, he is an absolute hypocrite. And I'm not saying that to be mean to him, but the way that he's behaving is hypocritical. You have the God of the Old Testament who says the worship of the Lord to God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Don't commit idolatry. But then he says it's okay to worship false gods and listen to them. It's demonic. And that's kind of what I wanted to point out. 
and it's, and it's, and it's confusion. And, it, and then he always say that it's subjectivity, you know, or, or subjective. And, 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 and what we must realize is with that type of viewpoint, you know, that's what causes problems because, you know, the Lord is, is, is really not really pleased with that because he was always trying to bring people, you know, uh, into one way of, of, of worship or, you know, and, and it seems to me that, you know, the first instance, the word, instance to what we have uh, uh, Cain and uh, Abel. Cain coming another way, Abel coming the way that was by faith. Faith come by hearing and hearing of the word of God, and he was obedient to the word of God. And that's why we see them, the redactor pointing out an offering in the first place. Uh, because we can see that, because how would they know to offer except they was told to do so? We know faith come by hearing and hearing of the word. Where Hebrews 11, it confirms that, because it tells us by faith, Abel offered a sacrifice that was acceptable unto God. We see, and it says it's speak, it speaking for itself, you know, because then concerning the blood, whereby he was called righteous because it pointed to Christ. The, the sacrifice that he offered, it pointed to Christ. The bloodshed that he offered. Cain came of the fruit of the ground. Now, later on, the fruit of the ground began to be uh, a type of offering, you know, but it, it wasn't acceptable when you start dealing with concerning the, the main initial, the, the, uh, the blood, which is a life-for-life offering. It wasn't, it, wasn't mm-hmm. it, didn't, it didn't speak like how the very offering that Abel had offered. And so when we look at it, this is the first religious war on how one comes to worship and because how this person will worship his brother will get mad because this was was this was acceptable unto god and his wasn't and so it causes a a a a conflict you know so we're going to see to we've been saying that since the ages that you know how one worship you know causes conflict you know, either, especially with people that are wicked doers. But, you know, eventually we all need to worship the same way because the scripture says it in Romans chapter, um, Romans, I mean, not Romans, uh, Corinthians, when it talks about that, you know, um, he will put away all rebellion. And then also that um, once he put away that rebellion, he himself will become subject to the father and that God may be all in, in all. And so it's clear that we have to do this thing one way. Uh, but I see that we got the brother, um, the brother uh, vocab here. So I'm going to open up the brother's mic because I think this is definitely him. What's going on, peace and blessings? Hey, what's up? Can you all hear me? We definitely yeah, hear you. hear you. Right on. I have not heard. I just got out of this uh, apologetic to Muslims Conference, so I'm just now jumping out, and I just wanted to call y'all and just kind of listen in and see what you guys have talked about so far, man. What's up? Good to hear y'all. Likewise, likewise, brother. You know, we just kind of recapping on y'all discussion, man, and, and playing some part and part of. That's about it, man. But go ahead, uh, uh brother uh, Jordan. I know you probably wanted to say something too. Uh, yeah, basically, I mean, just listening to the questions immediately, the first things that pop in my head is this man's a deist and evolutionist, um, and then he's also believing that it's okay to worship different gods. So now 
it's going into demonic and this confusion. And um, we were talking about, uh, you know, he's saying things like uh, the book of Revelation is subjective, and that doesn't make any sense. It, now, he may he may believe, you know, and it might be his point of view and it's subjective to him, but we're looking at it from a, an authoritative point of view where God is the objective moral lawgiver. So there's no subjective meanings. It's not cloudy. He may not understand what the scriptures are saying, but it's not a cloudy judgment at all. And so we're just kind of like dissecting it piece by piece. But everything that he's saying seems to be completely uh, ex exactly what I expected, um, contrary to scripture. Yeah, I mean, you see what happens when someone wants to be a Hebrew Israelite and they kind of swim in that tradition, but yet they realize there's a lot of falsehood in it but yet they want to keep on and hold on to these main things, they make a big giant mess in the process because uh, there's no more foundation. Not that Hebrew Israelism of the One West variety was ever a secure foundation to begin with, but at least there was basic traditions and rulings and breakdowns that had, you know, maybe, you know, 40 years of history behind it or whatever. Well, he ditches a lot of that. And then what's he replace it with? A whole variety of other types of things. And it ends up being, in a certain manner of speaking, worse. Because then you kind of have no clue what you're dealing with. And it's much more logically, I mean, it's always logically inconsistent. But it's just, it, it creates this whole other different type of mess. And he's got all kinds of elements in the system. And, you know, you wonder if that's what you're going to see with the future of this thing. You know, because... uh you know what stood out to me about that show? How much people just wanted to attack half the New Testament's writings. That's like what I got out of the show is these these folks cannot stand Paul's writings. And you know what? It makes total sense because guess who one of main uh, opponents of Paul was back in the day? It was Judaizers. And these guys are modern-day Judaizers. The Judaizers didn't like Paul back then, and the Judaizers still don't like Paul now. Right, right, and you, and you know what? Too another thing too is is, is uh, I from that, and I definitely see that too. Um, I see that Paul's epistles really point to the Gentiles' place and and why they have been received, and 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 so with them taking on that very spirit of of the Judaizers, you know, uh, it's like they don't they don't they don't you know, want the Gentiles to be fellow heirs or partakers of the promise. And so it's like you can kind of see that Paul is in, in, in Romans chapter 1 through 8. He's telling you what means, you know, uh, uh, the Gentiles have position and, and, and also how we're able to obtain salvation by way of faith, you know, by, by grace through faith. And so he he telling those things, and he's showing us those things, and the, and the Jews, they have to enter in the same way. And because they have to enter in the same way, and they're they looking at it, they looking at it like, hey, we've been doing all these different things. We've been, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, keep, uh, keeping the law, so to speak, or whatever they got to say, or, you know, we've been doing these things. We've been here before. You know, we, we the, the firstborn or, or whatever the case, however they feel. But Paul is showing them that the Gentiles can be justified 
you know, uh, without the deeds of the very law. And we can see it in Abraham. And we can see those things. And he's showing us that we can walk in the very steps of Abraham being justified, you know, before the law. And he says that that was the very gospel that was preached unto Abraham concerning the seed. And the circumcision was a sign of the covenant. So when you look at the circumcision, it was pointing to the seed, which was Christ. It, it was already stated that the circumcision was a sign of the covenant. And when you look at that sign, what is it? It's, 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 it's the putting off of the flesh by way of bloodshed concerning that seed. And that seed, that seed puts off the, the, the workings of the flesh and circumcises the heart, you know, in a spiritual manner. And then also we see the new beginnings dealing with the eighth day, you know. And so we got to look at those things and, and say that the very sign of the covenant in the Old Testament was Christ. It was always concerning the seed. And so what did Paul say? And this is why they don't like Paul, because Paul stated clearly. He says, when the seed will come, once that seed come, we knew that, 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 that what was going to take place. You know, uh, him establishing the new covenant, taking them from up under that other covenant, which they was penalty of anyway. You was in penalty of it. You wasn't doing it. And, and, and so you, you came up short every time. And every time you came up short, guess what you had to do? You had to sacrifice, and that pointed to Christ. It was pertaining to Christ. Yeah, man. What else do you all talk about tonight? Do you guys get any calls or anything like that? Oh, uh, we got some uh, brothers on the panel. But no one has pressed the one yet. If you want to press the one to speak, you can do so. The number is 917-889-2233. 917-889-2233. You're listening to Shield Squad Radio. We got Vocab here, and we got the brother Jordan. We got uh, the brother So Real in the back sleep, but he's still with us in spirit, though. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so so the, the, the one of the things we talked about was uh, – and we got nine minutes left to stream, so we ain't gonna be on here that long. We're gonna bring out some of the some more stuff about it tomorrow, uh, just as well, depending on. Um, well, we'll talk about that, but um, yeah. So vocab, we basically talked about um, the first thing we mentioned was we haven't got to that part yet, um, but we talked about you know the resurrection, you know of of of, of Jesus Christ, bro, like bodily, like. You know, Jordan brought out some things on that. So what did you think when he said that, bro? What did, when he said that, were you overwhelmed or what's your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, so, you know, what's interesting about it is I had never necessarily heard him say anything, yay or nay, about the resurrection, right? Um, in fact, in general, you don't really hear Hebrews like talk about it, even though it's actually the centerpiece of the Christian faith because, uh, they're not Christian, you know what I'm saying? And their whole center is off. So the thing is, though, I do know some of these Hebrews like, got different types of beliefs about it. They're not really guaranteed to be orthodox. So I said, you know what, man? I want to I wanna see what, what he's going to say about this. It was almost like, to be honest, it was a little bit of a shot in the dark. Like, let me just see, you know, what he's saying. Because you never know. But that was kind of the point of the show was to, you know, bring those things out. And then when, when he said neutral, 
you know, I mean, I was taking everything in stride. I'm laid, I'm laid back, but it was just like, all right, there, there's another one. Because he had already said several things to me that were just like, okay. But, you know, it wasn't a debate. It, it wasn't even really a dialogue per se. It was a, like an interview, like a Q&A. So I just kept it moving. You know, I don't want to waste time, but I'm like, wow, you know, there's a lot there to uncover. And then when he, uh, yeah, I mean, I was just, it's kind of like, you know, it happens or it didn't. And so I brought out one verse. I, so I did have an unexpected follow-up question about, what about John talking about, you know, Thomas talking and, and John about touch, touch this, you know, touch, touch the holes, you know, very physical, clearly, in John chapter 20. He said, well, yeah, that's a piece of evidence in favor of a bodily resurrection. But, I mean, it's like, well, come on, like, the Bible can't contradict and make you neutral on it. And not only that, but um, what's the negative evidence? Like, how, 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 are you gonna, how do you have evidence supposedly in the Bible against the bodily resurrection? Like, what do you mean one piece of evidence on the bodily resurrection side? Come on, man. So it's, it's really wild, man. It just shows you, though, how since the center of their faith is not the true biblical message, no one knows what they'll come up with because they take things that are essential to the Christian faith and they feel at liberty to play around with them. Because... To me, anyone who reads the New Testament and believes it, the minute that man said that, they should have just dropped him. But the thing is, since they're not grounded enough, they'll still accept it. Like, well, that's his perspective, you know, okay. So it's just really wild, man. These guys, this is a wild, wild west of doctrine. You know what I mean? Like, that's the situation we're looking at. So mm-hmm. there's a lot there to uncover in the future, you know, with him and with that. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely does. Uh, it definitely is, man. And so, uh, yeah, so we, we got a call up, man. So let me grab this real quick. And we got like five minutes, man, six, about six minutes uh, left on earth till we go into the overtime portion. Um, I don't know if it's a private caller, but we're going to see. 111, your mic is open. You're listening to Shield Squad Radio. What's good? What's good, Shield Squad? What's going on, peace, brother? How you, doing? How you doing? Hey, this is Ron. Yeah, so um, I heard a lot of the things that y'all were saying. Vocab already knows who this is, and you should too, G-Con. Surprised you'll know my voice by now, but uh, peace to y'all. Anyway, so um, I was listening to a lot of stuff y'all were saying, and a lot of things y'all kind of twisted and skewered in regards to my position and worldview. And that's fine. Y'all entitled to your opinion and how you perceive what my position is. And that's fine. It's okay. I'm okay with uh, criticism, you know what I'm saying, peer review. I mean, that's part of what it is that we do in regards to researching and, um, and our walk of faith. But there was, there was one thing I want to touch on real briefly since the show's about to end and it's late and i got to get up early in the morning, and then I have a question that I want to ask. Is that okay? Definitely, definitely, brother. Go ahead. And I'll probably, I could probably call in the show maybe at a, a, a later time when I know whenever the schedule is for the show. I didn't even know the show was going on. I had like six, seven people inbox me that it was on. Um, but the, the first thing I want, the, the thing, the point, the statement, the statements that I want to make uh, is you said that I am basically saying for people to go and worship false gods. Jordan said that, and you concurred that, G-Con. Correct? Is that that's exactly what y'all said? Correct? Yes, that seems like the statement you said. You said no, 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 no. Not seem. You said that that's what I'm saying. Correct? 
Right. Is that what you're saying? Okay. There you go. So now by saying that, I want you to tell me when have I ever in any lecture that I've done, video that I've done, post that I've done, that I've ever told anybody to go and worship another deity outside of Yah. Right, but you said it was appropriate, though. Yeah, but appropriate to who? I said from my worldview as an Israelite, anybody that scribes to the text should not be doing that. But I said that that other culture who has their own relationship with their patron deity, it was required of them to do. And unless you can show me that the Mosaic Covenant, which consisted of the Torah, was also given to those Canaanite peoples, that's the only way that you can impute sin when they know the same law that Israel knew. So you'd have to show me that. The burden of proof would be on that's, you to do that. Is. Wait, wait, hold on. And number two, that's, I well, also Ron, said... Ron, 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 wait, wait, hold on. Ron, 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 Hold on. We don't got a lot of hey. time. What I'm saying is that one, I also hey, spoke on Cap. Hold on, I'm a guest. Don't cut me off and I'm talking. I'm a guest. Let me rock. one thing at a time. Y'all can do the show a million times. You're not going to have me on the show a million times to do it. Let me just speak my piece. What I'm saying is is when I spoke to Vocab via social media on Facebook, since he jumped on a lot of my posts and made comments, I said to Vocab, you're calling me a polytheist, which means that I'm advocating the worship of multiple deities. No. I told him my subscription, yes, yes, you did, and I'm going to send them the screenshot so they have it as well. I said, I am a henotheist, and I also teach monolatrism. And I said, you know what that is, right? Vocab said, yes, I know what that is. So if you understand what monolatrism is, you know that that means the exclusive worship of one particular deity. So how can I use that terminology with henotheism and also subscribe to be a polytheist? That is irrational. What is the Greek? What is the Greek? I'll let you say something. I want to ask a question before y'all get off the line. What is what does the Greek prefix poly mean? Multiple. Many. What is the what is the word theos? Theos. The, that's from, from, from the that? Greek theos, which means God or a right. power. Ism so is the study of or the worship of or the practice right. of. So, so slow down. So polytheist is one who believes there are many gods. It doesn't have to do whether you prescribe worship to them or not. You are, by definition, polytheist. Not be... Not be, I never said anything about you make people, you know, encourage them to worship these gods. I said because you well, told them many gods said. existing. That's what Shield Squad. That's what Shield Squad is going to need. Just affirm that. So what I'm saying in regards to right, you, well, if, hold on, do you acknowledge? Hold on, do you acknowledge that Satan exists? Yes or no? Well, hold, on, well, hold on, hold on, Divine. Before you do that, let's let's get clarity here. Let's let's uh, go to what you said because we got it right sure. here. Actually, let's go with what sure. you said. Molech is actually a demon. Let's go right here. Look that we can know their names. Do you learn their names? Uh, you'd have to read the text as well as comparative other cultural uh, texts that we have access to. So do you believe that Molech has an actual metaphysical ontology? That he actually is an ontological being in some way, Molech? Yes. Okay. Do you believe it is appropriate for any culture, I'm not talking about Israelites, is it appropriate for certain cultures to pay him homage and worship him? Is that appropriate? Yes. Yes. Okay. Do you do you believe that um, if Molech prescribes child sacrifice as part of the ritual for other cultures to worship him, that child sacrifice should be part of the worship? Um, according to a certain period of time in which it was allowed, yes. 
So there was a time in which for certain ethnicities or certain nations or people groups within, within the groups of people called the Canaanites, some of them it was appropriate for them to... All right, so let me stop right there. Okay, so let me ask you, you a question. Absolutely correct. Go ahead. Now, let me answer your question real quick. Now, sure. you said that it was appropriate, right? That's what you said, right? For those right? cultures of Canaanites, yes. Okay, now, if it was appropriate, appropriate, then why did God put curses on them then? Why did he put which curse? Give me a reference. The uh, Okay, well, the scriptures are very I, – I, I mean, you said you were listening in, right? So let me go to a couple of these references. Because it, it okay. states it's, in the – Give me one. I'm listening. Uh, it says, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. So All right. Now, now G. Khan, uh, let me answer that. So you have – back then when I did a lecture in 2015 called The Patriarchal Priesthood and the Bible Unveiled, and y'all can go and watch it if you want, I explained how I interpret that text. And I said it was the Amorites who migrated into the Levant region, further into the Levant region where modern-day Palestine is at, and they're the ones that changed the system of worship in that region with the Canaanites. And this is, can be historically documented through the archaeological record. So the Amorites were the ones that was enhancing a particular system that was in opposition to what was already the standard in that region, hence why Yah had to cleanse the region, because the association of El as a patron deity over the Levant was being deregulated. And the worship of Mut, the worship of Ba'al, Hadad, the worship of all these other entities was rising, and he was no longer supreme over those entities. That is my position on that. Now, when it comes right. to the Amorites, you have to show they me where the Amorites... Hold on, hold on. You have to show me where the... Hold on, hold on. When you go to Judges chapter 11, and you read verse 23, it says, Now since the Lord, the God of Israel, has driven the Amorites out before his people... What right have you to take it over? Will you not take what your God, Chemosh, gives you? Likewise, whatever Lord our God has given us, we will possess. So who is this entity that is giving a possession of land or a power that's given a possession of land to these people? I would like to know that entity exists because Yefeta acknowledged that entity. Wait, hold on. Listen, listen, brother. you You just missed what I just said. Regardless of what you said, it was never appropriate. Because Regardless never... of what I said, it was never appropriate to the God of Israel. Listen, Correct. Wait, listen, Show me listen, where it was not appropriate for the Amorites themselves, the Moabites, or the Ammonites not to do it. Listen, according listen, to their cultural bro. mandate. Show me. Wait, wait, listen, bro. Okay, listen. Ron, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Romans chapter 1. That's your answer. Romans chapter 1 is talking about the Ammonites, the Amorites, and the Moabites? No, stop, stop. Romans chapter 1 says they exchanged the glory of the creator for the created. Worship the day. And names a bunch of animal kinds. It's all idolaters. If you understand the context of Romans 1, it's universal, global Who condemnation. Who the Ammonites the possession idolatry. of the land that they had? So, Who gave it to them according Ron, to Judges 11? Romans chapter 1 is the answer. It's a universal okay, so, condemnation of idolatry. So, so now you're just ignoring the contextual analysis that must be done in Judges chapter 11 that explains that there's a power that is over these people that is acknowledged by Israel that has given them possession of a land who they are worshiping. He didn't say to them, you know, the Most High told you all not to worship this deity. He didn't say that. He said, we're going to possess the things around you because your power has given you this land. Now, what entity is designating land to these people if it doesn't exist? 
I've never heard someone who thinks they're an Israelite fight so hard for the existence of false gods. I've never heard someone who says they're an Israelite oh, fight so hard does, for people's right to idolatry. Yes or no? Does he exist? Yes or no? Okay, so uh, Satan existing is is totally different than some false god. He, so wait, so thing. he's a real god? He's the no, god of this world, right? According to Paul. Oh, yeah, well, it's, here's what's easy to do. God of this world. See, that's, that's an easy thing to understand because that's not a god by any real definition. Oh, it's not a god by any real definition, even though it's yeah. the same word so, in the Greek that Paul you, uses when he attributes the term false gods that you use as well. It's very yeah, interesting. Theos is, is a general generic term for god, and it can mean Israel's god proper, or it can mean a false god. It's so is obvious. Is in a god? Does he have power? Does he have authority? Yes or no? It, it, it says theos, but that doesn't... Satan, yes see, or no? Do. Does Satan you're have power, mix. authority on you're this trying, earth? Yes or no? You're trying to mix. Okay, the, now you're not... Yes or no? <laughs> Yo, this run, is crazy run. that you're not saying or admitting that this entity who, who tried Job, this said, entity, hold on, said, that is yes. deceiving the sons of light, according to Paul, this entity who is challenging the Most High, you're not even, you're not even acknowledging that he exists and that he has power and authority? Wow. No, Ron, you're not, you're, not very good, you're not a very good listener. Satan clearly and you're not a very good answerer. Our, hey, well, Ron, this is, can you have a conversation? I don't understand. You like come on, like you're the man, and you're you're gonna do all this stuff. But the fact I is, I just want you, you to answer. Poly- yes, you no, are, Vulcan. You are a you are a polytheist. When I try to no, ask I'm you not. a question that earlier, that is your you, opinion. I am a henotheist. No, I'm not a polytheist. No, look up the definitions for the two. Vocab, vocab. Hold on, G-Con, Look up the definition for henotheism and polytheism, and tell me what is, yes. if you just suppose the two, what is the contrastual difference between the two? Ron, by definition, polytheism means many gods. Henotheism is many gods. The only difference is you don't, prescri- you don't worship them all. So you so, believe in many gods. That and as a monotheist, you believe that Satan exists and he's a god. So what are you? God can be used in a generic sense and it's obvious to anyone who's understanding the context, because Paul also says, for us, there's only one God. You know, And, he and then he the also says that which, Satan is the God of this world. What does it mean to be a God of this world? It's, it's obvious. I'm it's asking you things. that. Don't, don't try to I mean, deflect. Yeah, it means does Satan so have power and authority on the earth, yes or no? And if so, do people worship him, yes or no? And if so, do you acknowledge no, that not. things exist? Yes or no? Do you subscribe to the ontological existence of Satan? Yes or no? Satan exists, but he does not have absolute power over this earth. Absolute, you understand None of these right? other entities that's not the creator don't have absolute power either. So we're on the same page. No, we're not on the same page. Okay, let me, let's do this. Hey, Ron, what, uh, what's the nation that Satan is a patron deity of? Hashatan? There's, there's more than one Hashatan. It's not just one Hashatan. There's more than one the Satan? Yes, Satan just means adversary, anything that's oppositional to the Most High. It could be a person or it can be an ethereal entity. No, the accuser is an actual distinct person. That's why that definite article is there when it says the accuser. So let me see Hashatan, which is also the definite article, and it's used of Dawid, and it's also used of the Most High. So... 
adversary is what shatan means. And the Greek is a transliteration of the Hebrew, which means an adversary. So it can be an ethereal adversary, as in Job, or it can be in a person adversary, as we see in the book of Chronicles and the book of Samuel in regards to David numbering the people. And we hear the term shatan being used. So when we go into Paul, there's a totally different context. What I'm saying is the sons of light and the sons of Bilal, you know, Paul also says the sons of Bilal, that is an entity as well. Is that a shatan? Yes, it is. But the shatan is any oppositional force to Yah. Now, we get particular. There's other names that are used, and Paul even uses the name. Shall we worship Christ and also worship Bilal? Yeah, God forbid. He acknowledges that this entity exists and that people worship him. So all I'm asking you is, if you believe that Shatan exists and that he has power and authority, and nobody said any of these other entities were absolute, then you are no longer a monotheist because you acknowledge that another power exists. Simple. Right. Well, well hold on. That my, that's that's hey, not there my you go. And see, G. Con is quiet because he's he's comprehensively listening, whether he agrees with me or not. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, because that's... Yeah, you kind of had conversations about this a long time ago. Right, right, right. So, 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 yeah, so you know my position already on exactly. that. You know, I, I would yeah. be the first, but my, that's not my argument. My argument is with you on this. My argument is that you say that it was appropriate, right? That's what you said, right? Now, hold and on for a minute. For the Canaanites to do it with their patron deity in the only way, like I said... That it would be wrong is if they had the Mosaic law that the Israelites had that told them not to do it. You'd have to show me that they had the law so that sin can be imputed on them so that that culture would be judged to say do not do it. The Israelites were told that. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. The Israelites was told that, and we see that from the literature. But from the perspective of the Ammonites and the Moabites who worship Molech and their other entities, you would have to show me that these Canaanites understood that what they were doing was wrong. Show it to right, me. Well, me. Show me anyway. Give me, me, me one reference in the scripture where they right, know right, what right, they were right, doing right, was wrong. You might, you might have to mute this, bro. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Calm this down, fam, because you know I'm able to show you. You know already that what I'm going to say, nobody's going to be on your side on this one, bro, because they know the scripture. Give script. me a reference, Carl. Okay, listening. so let me give it to you. Here it is right here. Now. You read Genesis like I read it, right? What tree did they partake of? What tree did they partake of? What tree? Of? Yes. Tree no, of knowledge good and evil, right? Okay. Okay, so when they partook so of that tree... you know about that? Molech at that time? That's what you're telling hold me? On. No, no, hold on. But they knew about instruction because it was what, embedded what, what in What instruction? Show me the code of okay, let's, 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 they had. Let's, let's look at it. Now, let's look at it. Now, watch what it says. Now, to prove this, Let's look at it. They were taught sacrifices, because you know that, right? Of course, because the Most High created the first sacrifice. I'm listening. Right, right, right. They were taught sa- sacrifices. Now, watch this. Let's look at Deuteronomy 9 and 2 and see what it says. It says, hey, and, and, and I, I don't want to go to Romans, because you said you oh, don't really they were in that context. Go ahead. I'm listening. Okay, so let's look at Deuteronomy 9 and 2. Let's look at what it says. It says, right. let's go to 3. It says, understand, therefore, this day. That the Lord thy God is he which goeth over before thee as a consuming fire. He shall destroy them, and he shall bring them down before thy face. So shall thou drive them out and destroy them quickly, as the Lord hath said unto thee, Speak not thou in thy heart after the Lord thy God hath cast them out from before thee, saying, 
for my righteousness, the Lord have brought me in the in, in brought me in to possess this land before the wickedness of these nations. Now watch what he says. He says, Notice he says, but for the he says, but for the wickedness of these mm-hmm. nations, the mm-hmm. Lord does drive them out from before thee. Not for thy okay. righteousness or for the unright or for the unrighteousness of thine heart does thou mm-hmm. go to possess their land. But for the mm-hmm. wickedness of these nations, the Lord thy God mm-hmm. does drive them out from before thee. Right? Did the Most now, High get rid of all the nations when Israel went into the land? Yes or no? Hold on, let me finish. Let me finish, though, bro. Let me okay, finish. Go ahead. Now, after reading that text, okay. you know and I know, the Lord never brings judgment on somebody, not unless he's telling them to stop doing something. Now, if he said that the iniquities of the Amorites was not on those people, right? I mean, was was not yet full yet, we know that God, that, that there was sin there. We know that sin was definitely there. And what is sin, Divine Ron Prospect? What is it? Sin is anything that goes against the will of Yah. So, so uh-huh. here's wait, the wait, question. Wait, what wait, you're saying is, hold on, what you're saying is correct, d Wait, 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 stop right there, bro. Stop. Now let me Stop. finish, but go ahead. Hold on, I'm gonna let, hold on. You just, that's all I need. I'm going to let you finish after that. All right, so cool, the audience cool. Can hear you. All right, cool. So what I'm saying is, here's oh, the problem yeah, with wait, that. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, hold on. Finish. Hold on, wait, Devon. You just got to talking. Oh, go, go. Okay, listen. So listen. He just stated, sin was already prior to in the world before the law came. It was already there. Sin is not imputed, right? Did we see to where there is no law against certain things, but sin mm-hmm. is there already. Okay, so we okay. understand that. Okay, right. so now, what is sin? Sin is not abiding by the instructions. There are, they, it's not abiding by the instructions of the Creator, right? So, okay, we see that God has not imputed this sin to them, but they do know that these are, they're not, they're, they, people do know that these are instructions, but they're not following these instructions. So my, my main thing to you is, how is it appropriate, and if it was appropriate, why didn't God, I mean, I mean, why did God judge them for it? Why did he judge them for it and put the very curses that he put on Israel, on those nations, I mean, on, on Israel that came off of those nations for the very wickedness that they was doing, and then he put it on Israel for the very wickedness that they was doing, and cast them up off the land just as he cast those other nations up off the land for the wickedness they was doing. You mean to tell me God didn't tell them? About their wickedness that they was doing. All right. So, like I said, you have no evidence to show me that the God of Israel told those nations not to do it. He's speaking to his people that he's going into covenant with. So we have a subjective perspective as to what is taking place. And if what you just read in Devarim is or Deuteronomy is correct, then why were those nations, and it was plenty of them, still allowed to live in the land, more particularly the Ammonites, who the Most High told Israel not to bother? And when they went into the land, they were worshiping the same deities as Moab, who the Most High also told them not to bother. So now you've got to answer that. If, they, if they're doing wickedness and evil, why is the Most High allowing it? Because God is going to because God was going to put his name right there in Jerusalem and then from thence go into the world. Now, when you look at that. Oh, you answer the question, bro. Answer the question. And then you can preach. Wait, 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 wait,
you will also have to deal with also you will have to deal with the ju- uh, the judgment of the flood and then also the judgment of the Tower of Babel. But this because is all before then. Let's talk about the context in which we're discussing. Deuteronomy is right, within right, context. Right, but I'm, I'm, but within context. Right, but why, did on, he, but, why did he leave Ammonite and the Moabites to still be in the land when the Israelites went in the land not to be touched, not to be affected, allowing them to worship other entities, to give sacrifice to other entities, but yet and still, when Yefetha is speaking to them, he says, listen, we didn't encroach upon your territory because we were told specifically not to bother you. So that means that the judgment that we read in Deuteronomy that you just read did not fall upon the Ammonites or the Moabites? Is that what you're saying? That the most high is allowing their wickedness of child sacrifice to continue on, to persist? It was going to fall upon them, but it wasn't. It was going to be later on. Because but the same thing will happen to Israel as well, because uh, they were also driven out of the land. Hold on, but, but there's a reason why. There's a reason why God allowed them to do that. It's a reason why. Why, why, why did he allow them to do wickedness that. when the Israelites were right there to execute judgment? Well, I okay, well, hold on. Well, let's, let's go to the reason. It tells you why. He says because... He says, he says, okay, let's go to it. He says that he didn't, he says because the Moab dro- drove who out? Because Moab drove who out? It says because, I mean, because the Moabs uh, fought against the, uh, the Edomites and Moab, they fought against the giants. That's what he said. So he so allowed. Sons of Anak? Was it because of Anak? Yeah, but that's, that's within uh, what you was reading in, um, in Deuteronomy. Right, right, right. All the sons of Anakim, whom you uh, know and whom you have heard it said, who can stand before the sons of Anak? That's who you're talking about, right? No, no, no. It's not talking about that. In other words, when they came... Where are you at? Where are you at? I'll follow you. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to find it right now. Okay, Okay, cool, cool, no problem. Hold on. You remember the text where it talks about about uh, because he gave them, he allowed them to have that land, or gave them that land because they drove out the Edomites, the Ammonites, and also the Moabites uh, fought against another people. There was giants. And when they fought against them, he gave them that land. If you look at it, it's saying that he's giving them those lands. It's saying that the the so, 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 So the Most High gave Moab and he gave Ammon the land to possess in Palestine or Israel knowing that they would also be doing child sacrifice, and when he sent the Israelites in, they were not to touch them? Oh, yeah, they touched them later on. They were going to touch no, them. Well, well, later on, because they started to, to bump heads. And, and at that time well, in the book of Judges, Israel, it says every man did what was right in his own sight, because there was no king in those days, right? So even though Israel was brought into the land, they had an interface with Ammon because they continued to fight the Ammonites, the Moabites. They continued to fight against the Midianites. But yet and still, those nations were still persistently coexisting with Israel in the land, worshiping their entities, and not only worshiping entities, giving child sacrifice to entities. And not only that, Israel also acknowledged that their powers did exist because in the case with Ammon, they gave them land. How can a power outside of Yah give another entity, uh, another people land? How is that possible unless that but, entity well, exists? Well, hold on. How is that possible? Well, hold on. In all fairness, Divine, let's be real. According to the narrative, when we go to what the narrative is saying in the Bible, you do know that God, and you know, you know that he was going to basically take over all the whole earth. You do know that. Let's be fair. That's what the narrative say, right? Okay, according to the narrative, yeah, I'm following you. Go ahead. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Is he going to allow them 
Are there any nation, according to Zechariah 14, to worship other gods? Does that Was that a question, or I didn't understand what you say? According to Zechariah 14, when it talks about the other nations keeping the Feast of Tabernacles, is he okay. going to allow, allow the other nations to worship other gods, other deities? Not at that time. No, that's in the end times. Right, so let, me right ask you a question. so let me ask you a question. The uh, you do know that it does also say in Deuteronomy, and I don't have these things on deck, but you do know that oh, that's it, fine. It, that's fine. He it says that he separated the the uh, the very lands according to yeah Deuteronomy uh, chapter two verse eight and nine. Yeah, I got you. Right, right, right. So, so in all fairness, it was never appropriate by God, even though He allowed it for a certain period of time. You knew already it was never it was inappropriate from the first that they started. So doing. here's the thing. So when the text says when the Most High gave the nations the inheritance, when He divided all mankind, He set up boundaries for the people according to the number of the sons of El. For Yah's portion is His people, Yaakov His allotted inheritance. So that means who is the entity that set the boundaries for all the nations and did it according to the sons of El? Because we have three renditions, a Septuagint rendition, a Dead Sea Scroll rendition, and a Masoretic Text rendition. Being that we don't have no autographs, we got a textual criticism to see how can we deduce all three to see what is the common denominator. And we see that it's L. Okay, so the point that I'm making is there's other entities, the sons of L, the same sons of L that we see in the book of Job. He is now dividing boundaries and peoples and giving an inheritance according to these other entities. But Yah separated a people for himself, and Yaakov became his inheritance. So this is also an acknowledgment that other entities exist because El Elyon has designated a people and boundaries to these entities. So what I'm saying well, is by the time we... That's not my people, argument. That's, no, that's not so my what, argument. What are you my saying then? You know, you know, hold on, my argument is this. is You know I know that though there are L's, that we see are, are, are these deities that is over, but these, but but the, but some of these ones that you're talking about has has lost their way. They fallen because when you look okay, at okay, so look look, me and you don't disagree on that. Vocab disagrees with me on that, and both of us because now we're acknowledging right now that they exist. So so you're gonna tell me right now, G-Con, that that Satan doesn't exist. No, I'm not. T- I know he exists. I know he. Exists. There you go. So if you acknowledge that he is a power. And he's not an absolute power, but he is a power that's designated authority over people and nations. Because when Yahusha was being tempted, he said, I'm going to give you all these things. So he had to have some degree of autonomy, no, 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 no. authority, hey, and Ron. power delegate to a person. And that would simply show, by virtue of that, that he is a power that even... Yahusha acknowledged. He knew that he had the power and authority to do. He said, no, I'm not going to worship you and do that. So he acknowledged that he knew, and the text and the writer showing you how much authority that he has. And that's when Paul picks up and says he's the God of this world because he's going to give you the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So for, for vocab to deny that a God like Satan exists goes to show that he is purposely selectively trying not to be identified as a henotheist or a polytheist by virtue of his definition. But the moment no, that you believe uh, that Satan exists, you're no longer a monotheist. It's orthodox. No, since Satan is not a god, 
Okay. And, <laughs> but and, the text and, says otherwise, Vocab. I don't understand what you're saying. Yeah, so, so I'm sure you understand, or you should understand, semantical domain. Semantic oh, yeah. domain. What, so what you should look up. I have about 20 so lexicons hey, hey, Ron, to me right Ron, now. Ron, you've been Let me grab one for you. Let me get the brown one. I have not said anything about Hold on, I'm going to get it. And I'm going to get the semantical languages for free. I have it in front of my logo. Ron, Ron, not your show. Look in your opinion. Let's go to the reference. Listen, Ron, I've been in a long time. Why, brother? You know what the Amara tax is. I ain't said nothing about you in a long time. Hold on, one person now, at a time. Who's speaking to me? I don't. I, I hear three voices. If you would not talk when I'm talking, then you'd hear me talking. It would be uh, able okay, to work so it out. Okay, so nobody else cut off. Nobody else get in. Just me and vocab. Go ahead, vocab. No, Ron. Hey, Ron. Let me tell you something. You're not in charge of the show. You know. You know what I'm saying? You're not in charge of the show. You're not telling us what what's happening. We're just, all it is is I've listened to you for a long time. Now I'm trying to ha- have a conversation back with so you. Just talk. You're trying to act like. I'm listening. You're trying to Go act ahead. Like, okay. Go ahead. Ron, Ron, so I'm trying to tell you, don't act like you're in, in charge and you're, you're saying what's going on, okay? Just humble yourself, please, so we can have a decent discussion. And you Man. do the same, and we'll be on the same page. Go ahead, Vocab. Ron, I'm listening. Ron, Ron, settle down with it, man. Okay? Bro, Go you're on. younger than me. I'm not going to listen to that. Just I'm speak. I'm listening. Ron, 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 Ron. Just speak. What is, hey, bro, what is wrong with you? <laughs> This dude who, Why can't uh, you just talk, vocab? I'm listening. Wait, wait, you don't wait, have wait, to give wait, me all wait. of that parent-son speech. I'm a parent wait, just like you are. Just speak. I'm listening. I respect wait, your show, wait. and I'm listening. Just talk. Hey, Ron, if you respect the platform, we can have a decent conversation, okay? That's all I'm saying. It doesn't need to go back and forth forever. You understand semantic domain, and so we understand when, when, when Paul uses that phrase, by the way, you know, you're real cherry-picking with Paul. Like, you pick it and you use this and you say that, but it's real disingenuous because you say he doesn't have authority. So it's kind of like, which one is it? But he has but authority for you, by and I'm working in your construct God, in order to God. show you that what you're saying okay, – so, go, go ahead. So, again, yeah. I can't – so so I've listened to you for a real long time. I don't know if you noticed how long I didn't say nothing. You know, oh, you when, did? when I'm trying to say something, you, you can't uh, let me speak. Like, that's how it works. All right. So, You're right. I'm listening. Go ahead. Man, dude. So we know that what we know what Paul means by that. We like it's obvious. It's been obvious to Christians for centuries what Paul means when he calls Satan in one place a god of this age. We understand what he means, or god of this world. We understand what that means, and it's interesting because that could just simply be that god of this age, which you know you acknowledge that it could be translated different ways. So it's clearly some kind of temporal power that Satan has. That's all it means. It doesn't equal being a polytheist because Christians have been fierce monotheists ever since they've existed, yet have always understood that the devil or Satan is a real personal being. That does not equate, that's not a free pass to allow that every nation's so-called deity has some kind of ontological existence, and furthermore, that it's okay or appropriate for them to be worshipped, because that same Paul condemns universally the sin of idolatry for all peoples. And in fact, in Acts, remember what he says? He says God has overlooked some of these sins up until now. And so it, it doesn't mean it was okay. It's saying, like, now is the time no longer. Stop worshiping the idols. Upon your system, you would have a system where a nation could it, – it's almost like they could invent a new deity or discover a new deity because that's what happens with these deities. They transmorph and they, they migrate and all of that. 
And it's like, do they Wait, come you into said existence deities when nations transmorph and migrate? They, That's what you said? Yeah, what deities are you talking yeah, about? Like the, for example, the Greeks to the Romans. And the, before that, the Greeks ripping off. So oh, those deities exist so, that you're talking about that's, that's transmigrating? No, 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 none of them have actual ontological reality to them. And Paul, so, the same Paul whom you quote, says that we know it's demons behind them. Can I ask you a question real quick? Do the gods of Egypt exist? One last thing, one last thing about what you said. One last sure, thing sure. about what you said. Jesus mm-hmm. uh, is having a conversation with the father of lies. It doesn't mean he record, he's admitting that what Satan is saying is true or something like that. Everyone understands Satan having temporal power, but it doesn't mean that all the kingdoms in every way are Satan's because we also understand Scripture says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So Satan's a father of lies. So Jesus is saying, oh, yeah, you've got all power. You're gonna, because we know who turns the heart of the king. It's Yahweh. Ultimately, he's in charge, and he's sovereign over these things. And so – I don't understand why you're saying, well, Satan said this, so we know it's true. And the thing with Japheth, in Israel, that, that, like, whatever they believed, because those folks at that time could have very well been polytheistic, henotheistic, or monolatrous, any of those types of systems. But that doesn't mean that's equivalent to what the Bible teaches, because any given Israelite, we know Israel's theology was super confused about it. That's why they kept on slipping into idol worship. And if you look at the beginning of the story about Jephthah, it says it says he gathered it says he gathered around him a bunch it says he gathered around him a bunch of worthless fellows. So we're not taking this man who also made a vow to kill his own daughter, at least on certain readings of it, but something that was rash either way. I mean, Abraham was ready to in his expatriate as well. So, so, do the gods of Egypt exist? Do the gods of Egypt exist? Do they have an ontological the existence? Yes or no? The gods of Egypt. Demons exist, not the actual so gods. Are of demons Egypt. are demons gods? Can they be worshipped? Do they have some form of temporal power? Yes or no? Demons have some power. Yeah, sure. So, can they be considered a god? Not in any kind of absolute monotheistic sense. But nobody's that, saying anything about absolute. You're the only one bringing up absolute. The only one that's absolute that's is the really creator. I never said anybody else that's is really absolute. What, I never said any really other what, power is absolute but the creator. So what I'm saying is if you're, also, if, if you're acknowledging that demons exist them. and you're saying demons can also be gods, then what category should so I put I, you? No, no, I, I'm not. I'm, so behind the false gods. You understand the Bible constantly calls them false gods, right? You understand that. The Bible How says are they that false gods? in the New Testament, in the New Testament, it calls it calls them false How gods. They, and Isaiah mocked pagan practices, like because he says, you know, these are deaf and dumb and blind. If they have real ontology, how are they deaf and dumb and blind? Because he's saying that to Israel, because those are not Israel's powers. It's no, other nations' powers, and they were not supposed to whore after them. So when we look in, even, when we look in Moses' story, the Most High tells Moses that he's going to render judgment against the gods of Egypt. The Egyptian priests were able to replicate the first three plagues because they had gods that gave them the power to do so. But what happened was the fourth plague, they were cut short because Yah was showing that he is still supreme, which I agree with. So I don't see how you're twisting it and saying that I'm a polytheist when I'm saying the only one that has absolute power and authority is yod hey That's the only one that has absolute power and authority. No other entity in existence has that. And Israel is only supposed to worship and serve that one power. That's it. 
other nations are going to be judged based on what they're doing. So for you to call me a polytheist is very disingenuous and unfair and it's misrepresenting my position. That's all I'm saying, Vocab. I'm not trying to purposely just argue with you. I'm saying if you want to know what I believe, I'm explaining it to you more explicitly and I'm giving examples to show you where I'm coming from. I'm not, I'm not trying to come on just to argue for the sake of arguing. I'm saying I don't mind if you critique me, but at least let me explain to you what I'm saying. If I never say polytheist, you can never call me that. I say henotheism, and I express to you what I meant by that. So I apologize if you felt that I overtalked you, if I disrespected you on your show. That was not my intention. All I wanted to do was correct a fallacy that was being committed by being by, by a, or a lie where it says that I'm saying that other people should worship false gods when I never said that. That is a lie because I never said that. And all I wanted to do was ask a question. So I'm going to be quiet unless I'm allowed to ask a question, but I just wanted to defend well, well, already, that position. That's all. Well, I already, I already stated already that um, you know just as well as I know it's not it, it, it never was appropriate. Just in that case, we wouldn't be in the position that we're in now. And it's just I'm not, not appropriate. Decon, huh. I'm not disagreeing with you. I okay, I agree. So I don't understand what the argument is. What's the misrepresentation here? I don't understand. No, because because when we when I listen to what you just said on the, on, I, in, on the recording, you said that it was appropriate. But I'm trying to forget for how those it other ethnic cultures. That's what the question was that vocab asked. And I said, in regards to being objective, I have to be neutral on that because I would need more details in regards to what those cultures had. That's what I said. But I said if I was being subjective for my Israelite worldview, then the practices that they did, the Israelites were not supposed to do that because that was detestable to their patron deity. I'm never telling nobody to go out there and do no child sacrifice. Hold on, Divine. According to the narrative that you're reading about those other cu- cultures, in the Bible is telling you clearly it was never appropriate. That's why he was bringing judgment on them. And he told so Israel... Hold on, bro. So, he told Israel. He told Israel if they do the same thing, they're gonna be judged too. So the very right. power because, was a- because that was not in Torah for them to practice. They were not supposed to go and do the practice of other nations. That was not their covenant patron deity. Wait, 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 wait. That why was did a no-no. Other- hold on, brother. Why would he judge the other nations then? Because of what they did to Israel. Well, wait, wait, wait. Before Israel even came into the picture, bro, let's just get them out the picture. We got these guys already. You know what Josephus said that took place in, in, uh, in uh, Genesis chapter 10 and 11. You know what took place. And so we, we see the government that was set up, and we see that they was defying God, right? And they was worshiping other deities at that time. So he judged them for that. And so when he judged them for that, he came through Israel to use them as a light, right? And they're going to go into the other nations of contest of false gods. Now, let me ask you this. If we look at the text, the very curses that was put on Israel was put on the other nations. Could it be because it's the same reason why it was put on Israel? Because they were... That's a presupposition. But here's the thing. When you said the same curses, can you show me what all those same curses were placed upon those nations? Can you give me a reference scripture for that so we can build on it? Uh, uh, did he put the bots of Egypt? What do we mean by the bots of Egypt on Israel? The bots of Egypt, are you talking about the plagues of Egypt on uh, on uh, Israel? That's what you're talking about? No, no, exactly. In other words, every, the, the very plagues that he put on these other nations, he put on them because they was wicked and he put those curses on Egypt, right? I mean, on Israel. He put, right? it on, 
because Egypt was oppressing Israel. Can Wait, you give me on, a bro. verse what it is that you're talking about? And we can oh, go so into you said it. That you said you said you said that Egypt only started getting uh, 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 these different plagues and these other different nations when it came to concerning Israel. They didn't have them prior to. Yes, yes, because you have to show me in the text where they received it before Moses went back to redeem Israel by way of Yah. You have to show me that. Oh, so before then, because when Abraham went into there, Abraham didn't come in there and say, "Hey, uh, judgment is going to come upon all you guys because my power that I just had a covenant with is saying A, B, and C." Abraham didn't do that. We didn't see that happening with Abraham. And Abraham went into Egypt, and Abraham lied to get the stuff that he got when he came out of Egypt. So what I'm saying is, because Egypt oppressed them and they were crying out because they were being oppressed. That's one of the things that's in Torah, not to oppress your fellow brethren, because if you do, then the same thing that happened to Egypt will also happen to you, because you was once in bondage in Egypt. Wait, hold on. That's why so leprosy, was being oppressed. Hold on. So what, leprosy being put on Israel, right, or God plaguing them with leprosy, or, or we see that, uh, did that exist before Israel came, came, came out of Egypt? Show me. Did it happen, did it happen in Egypt? Who, who was given leprosy? Um, in Egypt as a means of judgment by Yah. Right, that's, that's what I'm asking you. Was anybody given a leprosy in Egypt? I don't know. Show me a text and we can deal okay, with it. Okay, uh, nobody, listen, that wasn't even one of the plagues, right? It wasn't. You're right. No. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Why is it that when we look at leprosy and we look at these curses that God is, is these plagues is coming on Israel, they're on people prior to Israel? Why is that? Say that one more time. Why is those curses this on Which curses? Israel, the curse of leprosy? Why, yeah, why are those things on Israel, the diseases and plagues and stuff? Where does it come from? Bro, leprosy, as me and you know, was a common bacterial disease. So leprosy being a curse, it has to, has to do with the frequency or the amount of people that's actually getting leprosy that could be contributed to a divine curse. So you're asking me, did anybody else get a curse of leprosy before it happened to Israel? And I'm saying you'd have to show me either in that text where, where it says that because I don't see that, or I would say that that is something that has to do with particular other situations that had nothing to do with Egypt. I said that Egypt got judged because they oppressed Israel. The Most High, that's his people. That's what was allotted for him. Jacob was allotted for him. So if you're oppressing his people, he's going to hear their cries and he's going to run the judgment against Egypt. That's what he did. When he brought them well, I, out I, from, I, think, I, I think I think that you're wrong on that. I think that you're wrong on that. I think that's partial. I think that Egypt got judged for the same reason why God judged them in uh, uh, the Tower of Babel and also why God judged them. Egypt during the Tower of Babel, which is in Babylon? No, 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 no. Listen, bro. I think uh-huh. that Egypt got judged for the same reason why God judged those people that was at the Tower of Babel and also why That's God judged opinion. Judged. You cannot prove oh, that no, from no, the... No, no, no. Listen, bro. Bro, Where's that at? bro. bro. Why are you so amped up, bro? Because you're amped up as Show me listen, a reference but, what you're but, talking hold about. Hold on, brother, brother, brother. Okay. Listen, bro. In the text... Now, see, this is just common... Now it's beginning to be just common sense stuff that you, you, you're playing games now. Nobody's why playing games. God, Hold on, hold on, listen. Why did God judge? Why did he judge those people in Genesis chapter 6? Why did he judge them with the flood? He judged them with the flood because the sons of El came unto the daughters of men. 
And because of that interaction, it says the sins of man or the iniquity of man came to a point that was so high that forced Yah to come down and judge them. That's why. Okay. Okay, so 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 did that happen after the flood? What, the judgment? Did the same thing what you just said about the sons of God happen after the flood? Did entities come in and, and also mingle with peoples? Yes. Okay, I so see where you're going at with okay, it, but I'm going to follow up okay, with so, it. Go ahead. Okay, so cool, bro. All right, so if that happened, all that I'm saying is this, bro. It's clear that it was never appropriate before the flood and never appropriate after the flood, pal. So those That's sons of L, who are they to you, G-Con? You said who are they to me? Yeah, who are they to you? I think they follow You talked about this in the past. I want to see your doctrinal position change now that you're on Shield Squad. <laughs> who are they to you? I think they fallen ones to me. Thank you. And who are the fallen ones? You you tell me who they is. No, 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 no. Look at this deflection here. G Con is okay. They're not gonna beat you up. You're still gonna be a member of the uh, no, 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 no. No, you no, because my position on that, if you saying that they the sons of Seth, that's not my position. I never said that. That's not my position either. I okay. never said that. Where that when I ever say that? I'm just trying to see what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? That's oh, not my okay. position. I don't, me and you have the same position on this, G-Con. We spoke about this before. But, yeah, but that's yeah, yeah, why I know I, we got to say, but, yeah, I, I, I'm my, Matter of fact, you just helped prove my point. <laughs> right. Well, hold on. Listen. listen Thank listen. you, G-Con. Well, hold on. Hold on. Ron, Ron, so you can understand. I'm not against that. I told Volk, when men Volcab, I was like, nah, I agree with that on that. You can ask Volcab, I said. The only thing I'm against you on the saying is this is. It is not appropriate for them to be doing it. It never was appropriate. For 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 the for the Ammonites and the Moabites to be giving child sacrifices to Moloch, you saying? That was never appropriate for them to do this because, matter of fact, there's a text to say that God never uh, told them to do that. He, 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 he didn't want them to be doing as the other nations was doing because that's why he judged the other nations by using Israel because of the very deeds they was doing. I just read the passage to you. But but yet those nations such as the Ammonites still live coexisted with Israel. Why did God say He was going to do that? He said they was going to be thorns in their flesh. Ain't that what he what He told them? Oh yeah, He said He's going to leave some of them there in order to do that, which means that He allowed that wickedness that you're saying that is considered wicked. He allowed that to persist. Right, right, right. You you know why though, right? Why did He, he allow wickedness? He told them He told them to drive them all out, right? But then, so but that didn't happen. Right, and, 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 and why didn't it happen? They was disobedient because, remember, the angel of the Lord met with them and said, hey, I, this is what I told you to do, and y'all exactly. didn't do it. They didn't do so it, but, they, but, but did that also have to do with Ammon? Was the Ammonites part of that judgment, yes or no? Because I'm going to show you where the Most High told them not to bother them at all. I'm going to go ahead and show it to you. I, and I know that, but you already just stated already. We know that. You ain't even got to show it, Devon. Well, then why are they worshiping Chemosh and Molech and giving child sacrifices then? Listen, 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 you already know that God, the judgment was coming on those people. You know that was. It's just that God, he already stated that he didn't really, really, really even want to overwhelm Israel, you know, overwhelm Israel, even taking them by way of the Philistines. He didn't even want to take them that way. He took them around. So if he was going to get to them, did, you know he did. Did Hamosh give land to the Ammonites, according to Judges 11, yes or no? Okay, let's look at it. Let's read the text. Yeah, I, I just read it. Judges chapter 11, verse 23. 
Alright. Okay, so, so now the Lord God of Israel has dispossessed Amorites from before his people Israel, and shouldest thou possess it, will not thou possess that which Kemos thy God giveth thee to possess? Thy who? Thy God giveth you. Keep going. I'll give it to give it to thee to possess. So whomsoever the Lord our God should drive out from before us, then will we possess. Now, uh, first of all, well, hold on, hold on. I, like I stated, who is this speaking here? First of all, yes, Esther, going to be the person that was that was sought at for, from Gilead, who was sought out because the king of Ammon was oppressing the Israelites in a particular region. So he was sought out to help and mediate the situation, and therefore he's having a conversation with the king of Ammon. Right. So, so, so this is a regular person here, and I know who your feather is. He's telling them their god, Chemash, gave them that place, right? He's telling you our god who we provide But how could that god do it if he's false? If he has no ontological existence? How is that possible? Wait, 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 wait. Wait, I can't hear. Somebody has some kind of background noise. You might need to mic. You might need to mute my mic. Wait, so you can okay, understand. Okay, go ahead, go ahead, RG Watch this. Now, okay, now, uh, uh, the guy telling them, he said that your your God. Let's read it again because this yeah, is what God it. says. It says, "So now the Lord God of Israel has dispossessed the Amorites from before His people Israel." And, and the Amorites and so, is who you was talking about, as far as the sins being full. Keep right. going. Yeah. Uh-huh. It says, "Before His people Israel, and shouldest thou possess it, will not thou possess that which Chemosh, thy God, giveth thee to possess?" Uh, Okay, right. So, so Chemish, this is uh, uh, what's his name, Jephthah, whatever his name he's talking about. Jephthah, Jephthah is talking about the God of Chemish, right? He's acknowledging that that power exists and it has given the land to the Ammonites. Right. So, how is that possible? He has no ontological existence. When we go to Deuteronomy twenty-two, I never, never, wait, that's not my argument. I never said that. When me and Vocab had our talk, he could tell you. I told him, I said, Vocab, I said, I kind of see what he's saying because we st- we study a lot of historical content, so we know and me about. And you do, yes. Right, so we we know about uh, who these guys divine to. God is telling exactly. Israel not to divine to these other gods, and exactly. so I understand, I understand it. I don't have a problem with that. So, so Zikon, let me read this. Deuteronomy chapter two, verse nineteen says, "When you come to the Ammonites." Do not harass them or provoke them to war, for I will not give you possession of any land belonging to the Ammonites. So the Ammonites, and this also goes for Moab as well, the Ammonites and Moabites, the Israelites were told not to bother them. And these were the same people that were worshiping Molech and Hamosh and giving child sacrifices. Right. The, 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 right. There you go. So, so, so right. all I'm saying is, and look, look, listen, G. Khan, I'm not telling nobody to go and worship after any of these other entities. These entities right now are going to be judged. I'm saying at that time, because we're talking within the historical context, within that time, those people had a pact with their patron deity, and that was one of the things that was required to them. So in their mind, it was doing the right thing. That's what I'm saying. But according to the text, the text says it was wrong from the viewpoint of who? The Israelite deity. That's all I was saying. Vocab.
Ahab did not want me to be objective when it came to giving my answer. He wanted me to take a subjective position and say, well, you know what? Yeah, I believe in everything the Bible says, and because the Bible says this, then that's, but that's not, that's not how I operate. So he asked me a question, and I'm teaching him my worldview to say, hey, from the biblical perspective, it was wrong. But according to the culture, because I have two books I did in two lectures, and uh, one of the lectures, uh, is, so you can go back and look at it, it's called Is Your Lot an Asset of Liability? In that lecture, I went into the archaeological record of the Ammonites that they excavated, and it goes to show their culture that, that thrived, and they were not touched at all by any other people to dispossess them. They had a continuous, from strata, I think it was strata, uh, strata um, late Bronze Age, all the way to almost Iron Age two. they had a con continuity of culture that was not disrupted by anybody. So all I'm right. saying is it helps to solidify my perspective to say that those people had a power that was acknowledged by Israel, but that power had required this from those people, and because of such, that's why they did it. But Yah says to the Israel, don't do what the nations are doing, because if you do it, I'm going to judge you. Now, whether right. judgment or not, you one of those nations on is another discussion, but I'm not telling nobody I'm telling you is this is according to the narrative of what you know of Yah in the Bible, you cannot say that it was appropriate because it was not appropriate. And I and, and nobody's disagreeing with that, G Con. So, so when, that's all thing, when I heard you say that, when I heard you say that, I said, hold on, okay, we know what the archaeology say of them worshiping them those other deities exactly. and their God. But mm -hmm. when it comes to what the narrative saying, in order to know what God is saying. We know that in the Bible it was not it was it was inappropriate. He he wasn't he he, he only uh, so he but but listen, Gikon, he used the term objective. So I was not given my subjective position from my worldview of the text. He used the word objective. So objectively I answered his question. Now if he said subjectively from your perspective, Devon, do you believe that that was right? I would say hell no. That's not the question he asked me. He did it particularly because he knew what he was doing. And he wanted, and what G-Con what is doing, not G-Con, excuse me, G-Con, what Vocab was doing was he's trying to categorize me somewhere to show heresies in my worldview. Like, I don't know Christian apologetics, right? But, but nonetheless, nonetheless, um, I've studied the works of, of, of Walter Martin, Walton Roston Martin on the John Inkerberg show. I, watched, I listened to his radio show archives. I read his books because I have four of them in possession, and I've also watched every episode he was on there, and I saw each and every one where he debated the Mormons. That's what inspired me to go and research Mormon theology. Vo vocab, he said, G-Con, vocab said that my theology in regards to this henotheism thing is similar to Mormon theology. I'm like, what the hell is he, what is he talking about? No, I didn't. All right, hey. So you didn't say that? Okay, let me change. I'll tell you what I said. I'll tell you what I said. Here's what I said. You said, obviously, vocab doesn't know the term monolatry. I said, yes, I do. I've heard it years ago, along with henotheism, when I dealt with the Mormons, because that's what some of the more academic-minded Mormons tried to claim their system was. I never said you had some kind of identical system or anything like that. What I or said the is I knew the term. Well, please let me finish. I said I knew the term monolatry and henotheism from dealing with Mormons. I don't yes. understand. You claim the to be real precise, but when you, when you listen, man, you talk and talk. I don't say anything for a long time, and then when I talk, like, talk you keep on cutting me off. Go ahead. Go like, ahead. What I said.
said is, if you claim to be a super careful listener, then actually listen to what I'm saying and don't rephrase it in some little way that makes it easy for you to try to knock down or say something I'm I'm doing, something I'm not. Because what I said is that that's how I knew those terms. Because you try to act, oh, clearly vocab didn't know these terms. So I was putting you in your place, showing you I've been knowing those terms. So he's not teaching me nothing new. So now on to something you said with G-Con. It's funny, you know, are we going to get our theology from Japheth? What kind of fellows does the Bible say gathered around him? In judgment, <laughs> what type of fellows? Wait a second. What type of Hold fellows? On, because what type now, of fellows gathered around him? Now, now what you're doing is sidestepping what's on the table to deal with a separate no. matter. Say, what was it, fellows? I'm showing you he's not a trustworthy source. A power called Hamosh existed. Ontologically, yeah, I'm trying to show you that uh, Japheth is not an appropriate source for your information. He may have very well been. For information? He may have very well. What? He may have very well been a henotheist. That doesn't mean the Bible teaches henotheism. Can you prove to me exegetically from the text that he was a henotheist? This is old that? news. Okay, let's let's have a conversation again. Like, okay. you're not really hear what I'm saying. Well, you keep on saying that, but then when I speak, you interrupt. It's, it's a very old conversation in Old Testament scholarship to ask what exactly in the minds of any given Israelite did they believe about the reality of God. Like, this is an old, old conversation. In fact, there's even old articles you can find that will say something like, was Moses a monotheist? Now, I'm not saying I agree with the conclusions of the authors, but this is nothing new. And so when we come to someone like this man in Judges, who the Bible says gathered worthless fellows around him, when we come to him, we don't have to take what he's saying is this is the theology of Scripture. And Did so I don't know exactly what – I don't know what he believes. He may have very well believed that oh, that wait, God had he, a real existence. Did he fight the king of Ammon vocab? Did he go well, to war with the king I mean, of Ammon? Did Samson fight the Philistines? Did he I'm have good theology? I mean, come you on. You mentioned Jephthah. No, did, did he fight the king of Ammon? And if so, was I, Yahweh? Yes, I, I'm answering. I'm answering a question with another question. What I'm saying is, these judges are not known for their theological acumen. Was Yah with him when he fought against this king of Ammon? Yes or no? Just was like the Samson. God with him? Just like Sam. Yes, just like Samson after he spent the night with a prostitute. Okay. So, so if you want to talk about prophecy, really. we can look at the patriarchs as well. I mean, we can go into this all day. No, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me do this. The point of that is saying the theology hold on, Vocab, does Vocab, not. Vocab, Vocab, we got uh, yeah. actually about five more, probably four minutes, bro, before the show all cut right, off. Let me, so let me, let me get off then. I didn't mean to cut up your time. I just wanted to give you explicitly what my position was so that way I won't be misrepresented because I, I know at least I know G-Con. Am I saying anything bad about vocab or Jordan? I don't know y'all like that. I know at least G-Con will be honest if I approach him with something, regardless of our differences, and I just didn't want to be misrepresented. That's all. And I just wanted to ask a question to you. I wanted to know what is your perspective, Jordan and G-Con, with progressive covenantalism? Do you guys subscribe to that as well? I know from the last time I spoke with G-Con, that was not his worldview. I just wanted to know, do you guys subscribe to that? Well, I'm a dispensationalist, so you 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 know already. Hey, you know. I'm glad you still. I'm glad you are standing firm. Now, what about you, Jordan? What are you, Jordan? I think Jordan went to sleep on his mind. <laughs> no, I'm awake. I'm awake. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I, I was just listening to the conversation. So, uh, explain to me what that means. I've never heard that term. 
your vocab is right there. He is a representative of it. Right, and well, if you don't know on, what it on. is, progressive. And I can send it to y'all so you can read it. Wait, 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 got, oh, wait. I got to stop y'all. I'm going to have to stop y'all. We're going to have to carry this over because uh, this okay, show no, going to No off. problem. I got to end this right. I just want to say peace and bless to the family out there. I appreciate you coming through Divine Ron Prospect. Uh, thank you, Jordan, for uh, helping me to host over here as well as the uh, vocab. No problem. Appreciate you. So real went to sleep in the back, but still peace and blessings to that brother. Make sure y'all tune in tomorrow night to Shield Squad Radio. We will be coming on tomorrow night, listening to some more of Divine Ron Prospect and Vocab Malone. Peace to the family out there. What we saying is true, then it changes everything. A Catholic man holds his rosary, Islam holds the Quran. While dudes on the streets trying to hold on to time, while Buddhists look for peace, Hindus and Sikhs, the truth is absolute. That's why I hold on to mine. A Catholic man holds his rosary. Islam holds the Quran While dudes on the streets trying to hold on to time While Buddhists look for peace, Hindus and Sikhs The truth is absolute, that's why I hold on to mine Listen, can we talk religion? And worldviews? Four minutes? We just talking They say the white man G Got the black man to see Bamboos I can hear them now in the prison. Run them up. All the 5% are saying what we believe. I know. Black Jews, Hebrew Israelites, and the Moors. All got solutions for these animals. they telling me. To free us from our lower selves. The yin and yang. They say we need to know ourselves. Your heritage. They didn't teach us how to understand. Not in school. How to understand and how to overstand. We use A-books. They only taught us how to understand. That's all they taught us. Ever since they took us from the motherland. Islam holds the Quran, while dudes on the streets trying to hold on to time. While Buddhists look for peace, Hindus and Sikhs, the truth is absolute, that's why I hold on to time. A Catholic man holds his rosary, Islam holds the Quran, while dudes on the streets trying to hold on to time. While Buddhists look for peace, Hindus and Sikhs, the truth is absolute, that's why I hold on to mine. I get it. Jesus didn't have blue eyes, blind hair, but sheep wool skin, bronze like mine. He say that's what the text say. I say, oh, we using the Bible? Oh, okay. Well, let me show you what the text say. Checkmate. Context is so vital. You're making reference to Revelation in chapter 1, verses 14 and following. The Apostle John gave a description of his vision of Jesus the Son. The characteristics represented judgment to come and other things, but it wasn't describing his race. In that case, he literally has fire in his face. So we cannot isolate verses and make them say what we want. Warnings of that are on the land.